You are now in possession of the Rebel FM It is Wednesday, March 11, 2009. Welcome to episode 10 of Rebel FM. My name is Philip Kohler. Joining me this week is the staff of eat-sleep-game.com, Anthony Gallegos. Hey, And Arthur Geese. Hello. Also joining us today, freelancer Tyler Barber. Howdy. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all of us today. It's a smaller crew than, than some episodes, and we've got a pretty weird... But still more man than you can handle. That's true. We've got a we've got a weird episode planned, I guess, because we're not doing just one topic this week. We're doing three, and then we're just gonna have smaller discussions about them. So we'll see how that goes. We've got a lot of a lot of user comments to throw in there. So <laughs> it's just, my my head shaking doesn't doesn't translate well on it the doesn't. radio. Nobody can hear that. There's already a cat scaling the boxes behind me. Excellent. <laughs> Why don't we just get going with what we've been playing, Anthony? I want you to start us off. Um. <laughs> so, uh, I've been playing, uh, God, what have I, I, I finished Halo Wars, but I'm not going to really talk about that, um, because I don't want to anymore. I talked about it on the coming up co-op thing that people can see. Okay. And, uh, and then I've been playing a ton of Killzone multiplayer with you. That's right. Us and, uh, it also, we were joined by Nick Sutner yesterday, representing Sony, and also uh, Mitch Dyer, who's a freelancer buddy of ours. We were joined by Nick, yeah, and we kept on criticizing and telling him it was all his fault that, like, we were using Xbox Live for our <laughs> chat program while playing on our so, PS3. Okay, that is fucking shameful. <laughs> we should explain that we both of us have access to Bluetooth headsets. I do thanks to you. You gave me one. Uh, but I could not get it working on, on my PS3, and it's it's totally possible that I'm just an idiot. 100% possible. Yes. So, but... It, <laughs> Arthur seems to think basically it's wasn't Basically, it wasn't even that we had to use Xbox Live, but we were basically just doing it out of convenience. And Mitch didn't have a PS3 headset. Yeah, so that's true. So it was more convenient to turn on another console <laughs> and start a private chat there, is what you're saying. It really isn't that hard. That's the thing. So I'm yeah. really sorry to any of our energy conscious right. listeners. I Sony's also bad. hurting the environment. Not just <laughs> their lack of robust chat support is making us waste so much electricity. For real. Uh. I mean, okay, so let's talk about the actual like process of playing multiplayer though, because I, I really enjoyed we, we spent a long time playing. Like over over the course of the last two days we've probably played I don't know, eight hours. Yeah, we played a lot. But I the thing that uh that sucks about it that really got to me is that you can't create a like a party. We can't just group up as a party and be on the same team every time. Yeah. So we had to like go around finding a server that would let us choose what team we were going to play on. Or before we were just joining and hoping we would be placed on the right teams. Yeah, there was that as well. And sometimes we would be on opposite teams but talking to each other through Xbox Live. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, our, our guys are doing this. You should come over so we can level up. <laughs> I did. When I was playing like against Phil, I'd be like, Phil, where are you? <laughs> so we can battle. I wanted to. I, I kept trying to like when assassination would come up. I would try to tell Anthony to team kill the target on his team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it's really enjoyable. I like the way that they switch objectives uh, mid-mission. Like, mid-map, they you do, like, five different objectives, and then it's whose faction overall does the yeah. best. It felt like the map never maps never went on too long because of that, because we were constantly switching up what we were doing on the maps. It's definitely something I haven't seen in, in any other shooters console-wise. This gen is something that mixes it up that way. It's always, we'll pick a mode, and then you go in it, and then you're mm-hmm. stuck in it until the end of the match. The only thing is that I wish there were a few more different objective types, because... As it is, there there are just enough that you play through every single one on every map. Yeah. But I wish there were maybe some so that, you know, you might not play this type on a, on any given map. Um, yeah. It's been patched a couple times. How was stability now? Because I know you had played before. I played last week, and, and I had a problem where I quit out of the game, and it didn't save my stats. Like, I quit on the screen where it was racking up my stats, and then it just didn't save those. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that's not that's been a non-issue. And, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't an issue the last two days though. That was like last week when I played. And so. me and Phil had a problem where our game crashed at one point, but it was weird because then it didn't for Mitch and it didn't for Nick. It just crashed for me and Phil. So I don't know what the hell happened. And maybe it's the type of internet connection we have set up or something. But both of us mm-hmm. crashed at the exact same time, and neither Nick or Mitch. Yeah, did. we were both in the same area, so maybe it's. Maybe, yeah, I have no idea. Did either of you get a chance to, to go back into single player after the controls patch? The thing is, is that I've played the thing with with both, and I can't tell a difference, but I think it's just because I already got so used to the controls the way they were anyway, yeah. so that if they, if they fine-tuned them, then it just feels much better to me. Because, like, I just got used to the controls the way they felt before, kind of floaty and stuff like that. It just didn't bother me. So... I think. I mean, I think that happens for any game. I've played plenty of games where I'm like, man, these controls are balls, but then eventually, after a while, you just kind of adjust what you know to have, playing that way. Have any of you guys turned down your sensitivity to kind of get a better feel for it? No, I haven't turned down my sensitivity only because uh, as it is, I still feel like I spin sort of slow. As it is, like mm-hmm. it needs like faster, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Where it picks up speed. Acceleration. Yeah, the acceleration sometimes <laughs> could be better. It kind of doesn't have a lot of good acceleration. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't touched my, my I sensitivity at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah just when default. I play when I play shooters on 360, I tend to turn the sensitivity down with the 360 controller because mm-hmm. it's got a bigger dead zone than the mm-hmm. original Xbox controller had. So I might I might do that in Killzone. I haven't played enough of it to uh, to like, really have that figured I'd out. I'd like to point out right now, you're not speaking at all like you sound checked. I just like you to know that. <laughs> okay, this is Anthony pulling I'm a Nick Sutner. I'm just wanting you. To, I'm just wanting you to, to project a little bit better. That's all. I'm gonna project right into your balls. <laughs> <laughs> that is hot. I'm just fucking with you. Uh, the other, the other thing that stood out to me um, that kind of bothered me, but was also, I mean, the, one of one of the things that's supposed to keep you playing is that they have a um, a really long-lasting unlock system where you rank up. Long-lasting because it's so in be- well, it's, far in between. Yeah, that's that's sort of the problem. Is there's like 11 ranks that you can gain by gaining experience in the matches, and um, and then in addition to that, by doing certain tasks in the matches. Like for example, if you, I think like there's one for if you get 20 points in a match and then don't hurt any of your teammates to get negative points, then you you get a certain ribbon, and if you collect enough of those ribbons, you unlock medals that give you more bonuses. So, anyways, you unlock weapons, classes, all of that. Um, but it, it's there is such a long time between unlocks. It's yeah, unbelievable. I, I kind of feel like uh, you kind of get spoiled with games like Call of Duty because since Call of Duty uses like, hold on, I'm saying you get spoiled in the sense because Call of Duty uses real guns, and so there's like a plethora of real guns they can draw upon and constantly be giving you new ones, and you're like, fuck yeah, a new gun. But as Killzone, they only have like those like established like eight weapons. So they have to space out the unlocks a lot more, which sucks because I almost feel like just create 
Fucking make up 20 more weapons. I don't even care, even if they're not Or just player. more perks or, or something. Like, the, the cool thing about the level-up system in Call of Duty 4 is that there's consistent reward for play. Like, you... Yeah. For I mean, the I, first 30 levels, you basically don't go more than two or three matches without right. getting something. I guess the difference, though, here is that in Killzone, the upgrades you get make even a more dramatic difference in the play, I would argue, than they do in Call of Duty. Like, yeah, because you get you're the on, like, ability, f- full classes. Yeah, like, when you so. get the ability to be a medic, all of a sudden that completely changed the way we were playing, like... But I'm, I'm at the same time. And it's like, it's like a, it's like they are cool because they're big, but at the same time, it's really fucking annoying playing for four hours and yeah. Well, there's like away. Like it, well, it probably takes three or four hours of play just to unlock any new weapons, and then you get like the SMG and shotgun. And then for me, it took almost um, like six hours, I think, to unlock the medic class, mm-hmm. which is the second class you get. And then I, like, I just I don't even know how long it's going to take to unlock everything else because it's a total of like right now I'm I'm at about eight hours total of multiplayer. And I've I have uh, just under 500 experience, and you need like 3,000 experience to get the last rank. Yeah, so. I mean, I guess it just depends uh, how much time you're willing to put into it. Because we've already seen people that are fully ranked out. And have, yeah, that, like, and that's, to, like, that's the other thing is yeah. amount of shit. Yeah. We went into like non-rank locked servers and got to see people who had everything, and it's just kind of crazy seeing like suddenly you're you're up against all these insane weapons that you hadn't seen these insane abilities there's people who can cloak there's people who can uh, switch disguise themselves as as a member of your team and it's it's insane and people are running around with rocket launchers and throwing turrets down it does feel a lot like a like team fortress 2 mixed with call of duty yeah because you die easy like call of duty but it's like you have the classes of team fortress in this it also seems a little odd that the unlocks are so spread apart because the rounds are really long since they have the four or five game types that rotate. And but at the end of the match, you might only have earned twenty eight points of experience yeah. or like thirty four. And you mean in the meanwhile, you know you have three hundred points to your next unlock. Yeah, I mean if you want to level up, though, there are already people making servers that are like the equivalent of like a Team Fortress Two achievement boxes. Right. Like it's, where they're just grind boxes to gain experience. It's just so. strange with me because like one of the evolutions of MMOs we've seen over the last like four or five years since WoW came out is. An emphasis on more consistent reward and faster leveling up than MMOs used to have, and mm-hmm. I mean, Call of Duty 4's experience system was likened to MMOs, and this is sort of a similar thing. But for them to slow down progression instead of keep it a pace or even speed it up just seems a little counterproductive. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just like it's not even. I guess it's just that there just aren't as many rewards as Call of Duty. Like, if Call of Duty was like Call of Duty, in a sense, is is slowed down or fast sped up, but it's almost like getting from the highest, like, level 1 to 55 in Call of Duty is probably going to take the same amount of time as getting from, like, level 1 to whatever in Killzone. It's just that there's so many fewer levels. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I guess it almost would have been better if they just made up, like, 10 ranks in between, too, just to yes. give you those. Yes, it would have, because at least then you have the, the illusion of advancement. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, though, um, with the classes that you do have, you know, while you're waiting the long time between unlocks, there are sort of... Um, little steps in between you know for example like you mentioned if you don't shoot any, any of your teammates and you get eight of those badges a ribbon yeah it'll get like a new eight grenade. ribbons you or you unlock more ammo or and, and uh you know unlock more grenades uh mm-hmm. and you know for the medic you unlock the healing packs but yeah the it does seem a little bit you know, i mean i'm not shitting on it like i will probably start playing it i mean reasonably you can't shit on it yet because you haven't played it honestly yeah, no i haven't played i mean i haven't even played enough to really form a strong opinion either way but i'm not I'm not shitting on it. I'm just yeah. curious as yeah, to the, the reasoning. It's a little frustrating in that respect, but honestly, like I wasn't expecting to be interested in Killzone 2's multiplayer at all. But I'm 
I'm actually really, really enjoying it, and I'm probably have, going to play have, a lot more. So. And we have a clan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> which people can join. I don't know. I don't know if there's like a way through Killzone.com to look up the clan. I think there is, but know. our clan is called Ephemeral Fantasia. Can so. I throw out my clan? The one I, I created this name. It's the best name in the world. Donut Fever. I think Donut I, Fever. I like that. But I'm Ephemeral just saying, Fantasia. <laughs> I'm just saying, in a way, Tyler, you're kind of already competing with our clan, and I don't like that. <laughs> this is a one clan show. <laughs> Why aren't you on our clan, Tyler? That's the better question. I just want to point out too, Donut Fever. Last night when I was me? playing, I was talking. Uh, I was talking to Anthony, and I said something about our clan brothers. And Amanda, who obviously could not hear the conversation, did not know what I was referring to, got really, really freaked out. <laughs> right? Did you, did you look I was... at her and say, "You're safe. You're very white." <laughs> oh man! No, I did not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come on, I'm half Mexican. Like the self-loathing half, <laughs> <laughs> all the time, I'm like that skit from Dave Chappelle, where I'm just like the hardest core clan member. So yeah, we we Mexican. We do really want people to join Ephemeral Fantasia and get our clan up to the top ten in the uh, rankings. Basically, yeah, we need you to bring up our stats. Like we want really, really good players who are going to poop socket. <laughs> you want your you want Fantasia Ritus? No, I do. I just want everyone to come and join the Fantasia. That's what I want. Ride the fantasy. We have enough brooms for everyone. Yeah. Can I ask you guys something? Since you unlocked the medic class... If you put the controller in your lap, you get it ephemeral fantasia if you shoot enough. <laughs> so, Since you unlocked the medic class, is that the only class you play, or do you ever go back to soldier? I've, I've mostly been sticking to medic just because uh, the only thing that you can't do as a medic is you're you're stuck with just the two rifles. Right. My cat's got a piece of litter stuck to her nose. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Sorry. As a soldier, I've only locked the uh, SMG and shotgun, and there's very, like, so far from what I've played, there's very limited uses for that. Like, you mm-hmm. have to be in a map that's very close range for yeah. those to be useful. So. But at the same time, it's nice, too, that he's, because he's the only one out of us four that's unlocked the medic. Hmm. And we always, the first thing we do is I make a squad for us. And so then Phil at least has that one person in our squad that can nice. heal us when we go down. Which is nice, too, because now, like, it actually is cool that you can make squads, like, Frontline Feels Awarded, where you can spawn on each other. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty should have that. It'd be so much nicer because it actually changges the way that I play in particular because I'm it squad. changes It changes the way everyone plays. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, like, up, like, specifically as squad leader, like, I'll know that, like, there's like there was that one level we were doing where there was that room where everyone was just, like, slamming into a meat grinder. So instead of, like, <laughs> trying to run in there and get kills, I pulled back way far back, like, mm-hmm. where we could see in the door and I was just throwing rounds in there. But I was just doing that so I was, like, a spawn gate for our guys to keep mm-hmm. pushing mm-hmm. forward. Well, the Infinity War guys put up a Twitter for suggestions for uh, Modern Warfare 2, and uh, one of the most popular ones was uh, the ability to spawn on, uh, you know, some kind of squad leader. Don't you kind of do that in Call of Duty 4 anyway? Not on a squad leader, well, but I mean, you, you, just spawn, you spawn, spawn near friends, people. But, yeah. not, but, but, but I guess maybe just being able to pick your spawn point, maybe people right. would like that. Yeah. But it, I don't know. That can be dangerous, too. I mean, Killzone does a really good job with it because they keep people from being able to spawn camp by... The, having the, the base spawn point, having those turrets mm-hmm. there, yeah, so people can't just totally. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen people um, in your in your uh, matches that they have the green smoke where their own teammates like it's like yeah, not I, a spawn I saw point. I saw that last night. night. I, I didn't know that yeah. that's what that smoke was. Yeah, no, I saw that last night. Yeah. Well, I, do you know how how that ha- like that must be some unlock you get at some? Point, um, but... I ah, the name slips my head on the class, but I think it's one of the later classes, like general. Or it's you know one of the. Okay. That because that's really crazy because yeah. then like when you have a certain objective, 
you can just set the set of spawn points so that your team can keep spawning on that objective, mm-hmm. yeah, which makes it a lot harder. I think anyone that gets kills on multiplayer should play it, just the base game and work up some skills. But then just for fun, go and join like an uh, all rank match and just go watch because it like has like more dramatic battles going on than <laughs> the single player ever has. Like it is insane watching like thirty two people sixteen on sixteen meet in a big old area and mm-hmm. people are summoning flying robots and yeah. launching rockets and running at each I would other have with to shotguns. Say the- I, I was in one match where it seemed like everyone um, on the other team had rocket launchers unlocked, and it was just chaotic. I mean, it was Yeah, just... I mean, some of the maps, it depends on the map, too. Yeah. Like some of those level box ones we did were definitely not good for 32 people. Mm-hmm. Like, it would just be, like, nothing but, like, everyone running into a room and dropping grenades as they died and blowing up, <laughs> so, uh, I mean... I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out my PSN name is Kefka Taren, and... I want you guys to add me to your friends list so that you can is join the Emerald Fantasia. Is there a limit to Fantasia. PSN friend list? I'm sure there is. I don't but have hardly any, though. Tough I will money. just, as, as you join and as I add you to the to the clan, I will delete people off of off my, my list. friends list. So that, just so that you can get in the clan, I'm saying we need to get you in Ephemeral Fantasia. Unless you can just send, like, a request or something. to be Yeah, sure. I don't know. I mean, or either that or, uh, I guess you could try, uh emailing me your names and i can just add i can search for clan members so email me your names or philip because we're yeah. both yeah officers anthony is well aware of searching for clan members so <laughs> wanted by the fbi <laughs> I'm uh, so- <laughs> right right next to my google search for mein kampf <laughs> i just want to also mention i've got a, a review of the Killzone 2 multiplayer that should be up on geek.com tomorrow that's uh, focused, since I already had the single-player one, this one's focused on just the multiplayer, so please go check that out. All right, Anthony. Please. Um, <laughs> and then uh, beyond that, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been waiting to play Empire Total War, because I, I, every time I hear Rory talking about it, I say waiting because it's a 15-gig download, so it's a huge download. Well, so, because it's so many different countries. Yeah, so I've been doing it a little bit at a time, but it's kind of like Civ, you know, except you can totally do, like, crazy exploitation in ways that sound awesome. Like, Rory's playing right now is the Dutch. And oh, that he, should be good. And Rory's, like, been, like, a... The first thing Rory does is he goes and conquers India because Indian people are ridiculously good at, at it, like, making a bunch of goods for him to sell. Imagine that. Um, and so... I don't mean that in a racist way. Jesus Christ. I just mean that in the way that... I Man, you're sensitive today. The faces you guys made. I didn't... I was trying not to make an oven joke. God, give me a break. Should I edit that out? <laughs> no. I don't mean to sound racist. I'm just saying, you know, like, they are one of the world's greater exporter of goods right now, and it's, like, true in that game, too. Like, they make it that way. So, Roy's, like, exploiting India, and then, like, going and, like, like, I don't know, just the way that he can, like, bully people into giving him, like, cities and stuff like that. And also, like, Rory's, like, even a more fucked up dictator than I am. Like, Rory's decided that... I don't know that I believe that. Rory's decided that Protestantism is the only true religion. So, like, when he took over India, he burned every, like, mosque there and just and just put up his own churches. Like, this game allows you to do fucked up things on a level that Civ didn't even allow you to do. Which I guess is maybe part of the reason I find it potentially appealing. So... Um, <laughs> It's funny, because I'm not, like, that type of person. In any game, like, I play, I always pick... Game like, checklist. More fucked up potential than I pick, save? I always pick the good route. Sold. Like, in Bioshock, I saved all the little sisters, and Oblivion, I always do the right thing. But when it comes to these Civ games, where I'm not, like, a particular character, I allow myself to go down that more evil streak. And, um... I'm excited to hear stories about So this. then I've also been playing more World of War- Warcraft. Grabkaz is, like, one blue bubble away from 65. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, I've also been playing uh, Viva Pinata with Arthur... Kathleen. Oh, yeah, I want to hear all about this. They started off the game level 11. Um, 
By the end of the first night, we were level 34. Yeah. Wow. So that took us about an hour, that took and, us half. About an hour and a half. Because I, yeah, which is ridiculous. <laughs> <An hour and laughs> yeah. But, man, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about playing Viva Pinata 2 with you. It's like work. <laughs> it's like you. Do this. The first thing I did. We're going to fucking share crop until I'm ready to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> and but I gave I'm like an inde- Yeah, I'm like a, a peasant from Europe that's working <laughs> off but, my passage. But at the same time, you, you got rewards out of it. Like, you were like, man, I'm so low on money. And then all of a sudden, 2,000 coins rained into your pocket. Which like, I would then spend to get someone else something. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's a given that... I was a kept man. I don't know how I feel about it. The thing is that now that you're 31 that and you have access to all these seeds, where. You can plant all these plants and make all your money back in, like, a heartbreak, heartbeat. But, like, I'm very practical about it. I'm like, we're low on money. And then I would just, like, delete everything and just plant sand and then plant a row of, like, a fucking farm of cactuses. Grow those cactuses, sell them, back to grass. Now we're ready to proceed now that we have cash to farm our funds. Like, so, you know, it was just like, all right, you guys, I would just be like, I'd plant a ton of plants and they'd be like, what are you doing? I was like, just shut up and water these. Keep them alive. There, it got to the point where I left the garden. I went. I went on safari looking to trap pinata, so I wouldn't have to look at what it put monstrosities he was wreaking on the yeah, garden. Yeah, and then like Kathleen would be like, she still had her worms in her garden, and I was like, worms are the first pinata you get. I was like, gone, delete. And so I was like, and then after that, Kathleen, I taught Kathleen the the virtues of like, she's like, well, I don't want to get rid of them all. I'm like, you don't get rid of them all. You get rid of all but two. You mail those to yourself so that she's like Noah's Ark. You have two of every animal. Should you ever need to bring them back again? And then it was fudge hog fucking season. Yeah, so then we just like, sat put. there and raced fudge hogs like, until they were just running around in a swarm in the garden. <laughs> and But they're good money, too, so you just raise a bunch of those. There's and, good money in fudge hog fucking. And then you sell those off once they're master romance, and you move on to the next one. So, I mean... It, it was. I thought it was highly productive. By the end, you went. You went. You went. From, <laughs> Anthony's. Anthony's. What he can say about this is not that it was fun, not that it was a good night, but that it was highly productive. Well, at this point, what's I, funny to me is that he talked shit about achievements last time. <laughs> yeah, but at the, and he's I'm talking not, about how awesome it is. We got levels that will mean nothing in anything no, else. No, but the thing is, is that is that they do mean something because in Viva Pinata, <laughs> unlike an achievement, you have what does an achievement do for you? You get points that you can stare at. That's it. No, I get points that other people can stare okay, at across Viva, all of my games. But in games. Viva Pinata, how dare you even fucking compare the two? Because in Viva <laughs> Pinata, you get levels and it unlocks in-game content. Like, that's the difference. You have access to more content in the actual video game. Nothing like achievements. At all. So now you have levels, and now you can access all the things, all the plants, except so, for oak trees. So did you did you guys play any without Anthony? No, no, because I've been playing other things. But so at this point, did this leave you like shell shocked? Well, at this point, you, now you can go in and he could start a whole new garden and have access to all kinds. But of But the shit. problem is now, if I start a new garden, it will be swarmed by eight million pinata, and I will have no idea how I should go about <laughs> maintaining that. It's not that hard. You just only keep the ones that you what? want. And throw that's out the ones such that you don't. bullshit. When you restart a garden in, Viva, in the first Viva Pinata after your super higher level, like that's where no one really realized that you could start other gardens and just be at the same level. That's not bullshit. As soon as you start, all of a sudden it's like you have Pinata invading like like a legion. Right, but they won't but they won't become residents because you don't have all the requirements met. So only the ones you have requirements met. So you can pick and choose the ones you want to be residents. It's not that hard. It really isn't. No, there are some that just show up based on on certain levels. Like they'll prowl around, and it's like, yeah, fuck, I don't around, know what to do with all these resident. Yeah, you just let them prowl around. You don't worry about them. You just focus on the ones you really want. It's stressful. Working up to high pinata levels is fun. Being tossed into high pinata levels is stressful. Well, that's what Kathleen wanted. So that's what I did. Kathleen wanted to 
come in. Kathleen and- wanted to breed variants, and you're all fuck your variants. I know. I said breed variants. It's fine. Look how to do it online. That's fine. Just do it. But I mean, the important thing was to get Master Romancer so that we could get higher pinatas. I do my one my one favorite Anthony Viva story that whole time is that. I, I don't remember what Kathleen bred, but she bred some crazy pinata or said, oh, well, you need to do this. And he's all, fuck, I had no idea how to do that. Did you look online? She's all, no, I hit the Y button. I mean, what? Everyone knows that you hit Y for information. Well, yeah, but apparently you did not hit Y on that, that particular pinata. I don't know that have known how to do, that I wouldn't have known. I can go look for it. Yeah, I think you're making shit up. <laughs> I'm definitely not making shit up. Yeah. You are not the pinata scholar you think you are, sir. Compared to you, I'm a fucking pinata genius. <laughs> Moving on. That's what I've been playing. Tyler, nope, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm, Tyler. I'm going to let him have it. <clears throat> so I got a chance to play uh, Resident Evil 5 and uh, Street Fighter 4 over the weekend. Nice. Wait, like the actual Resident Evil? Uh, yeah. No, and that that was, uh, it was, it was pretty fun. <laughs> How'd I don't you know. play that? Um, a good buddy of mine just got a press copy from Capcom guy I was creating a website with back How did he get a press copy from Capcom? We'll talk, we'll talk about it off the air. Okay. okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, and so, like, I don't know. I was just running around, like, shooting, you know. It was a lot of fun. Shooting black I, people? I ended up, like, shooting, just, just ended up, like, shooting at their knees and, like, running up to them and This is, like, the most them. racist episode ever. Maybe we need to reset this episode. At- <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I can't tell if you're serious or not, but we're not going back. We've come too far. It's all right. It's all right. We'll just keep going. I mean, I don't know. For a second, let me pause for you, Tyler. Has it really been that bad? Because <laughs> yes. I didn't mean to. I was just messing around. It's all right. It was my I fault, think it too. Was it was all downhill <laughs> since Mein Kampf, really. <laughs> it's not anything crazier than you would hear on Family Guy. It's a, It's okay. We're fine. We're fine. Keep going, Tyler. But, um... You know, I don't know, after playing it a little while, you know, I, I understand a lot of people have gripes with the shooting controls, but it just seems like a fun game. Like, you know, I like well, 4 a whole do lot. Do you think you'll buy it? Probably for the co-op, because I, I want to experience a Resident Evil 4-style game with co-op, which is what 5 is, so I will. Bye. <laughs> God damn it. What else have you been playing, Tyler? You let um, her go, and she went right for it. <laughs> Like I said, I also played a wait, Street Fighter 4 a little Can we stop this before? <laughs> I'm just watching her rip a packing paper. Now she thinks you're playing. Just stop. I'll get her. Keep talking, Tyler. Um, yeah, I got to play Street Fighter 4 a little bit, but I'm not, like, too much into fighters. But uh, it was fun. I liked were you, it. Were you playing with friends then? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just over at my buddy's house, and he was just kind of showing it to me. And, uh, you know, it was it was pretty good. Uh, Which platform was this on? The 360. And you know what? I was using the analog stick, and I was kind of finding it... Um, a lot easier just to throw like fireballs and do. Yeah, it's um, definitely as far as two D fighters or two D ish fighters go. The analog stick is more responsive than it's been in anything mm-hmm. else. That as far as those kind of games go, but it's still not. It's not an arcade yeah, stick. Yeah, yeah, it's not perfect. Like I felt like I would jump um, at times where I didn't didn't mean to jump. That's bad. So yeah, that's not very good. But uh, other than Killzone uh, Two Online, that's pretty much. Uh, all I've had a chance to play. Oh, and I also played a little bit of the World at War multiplayer. Because, okay. uh, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't played Call of Duty World at War at all, and I just... It, no. Man, just everything about that game seems generic, dude. Off-brand Call of Duty. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I got a hate on that game, dude. It's My game's... I didn't mind it that much. I, I thought did. it was okay. The only thing that redeems that game is the zombies mode, and honestly, Activision, if you're listening, A, go to hell. Uh... 
Not all oh, of Activision. Whoa. Save that for the next segment. <laughs> oh, good <Save> point. <laughs> oh, God, I should have said that at the end. It would have been a great segue. Uh, and B is that the zombie... They should just take the zombies mode from that game and throw it on Xbox Live Arcade and PSN. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. I'd be and more like interested in playing it. that than, you know, try to get all the way through the campaign just to open it up. So uh, They patched that out. You can play it. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, that yeah, that is correct. It's still not worth me buying World at War. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I play it all the way through World at War, so it's not like I'm saying, oh, I just don't like Treyarch. It's, I didn't like that game very much, and I forced myself to finish it. I felt like I felt like you went into it with a pre-hated bias, though, too. Ah, I mean, I wouldn't have played it if I wasn't hoping it would be good. I don't know. In some ways, I felt like you were you knew it wasn't going to be good, and you were playing it to to just yeah. So I spent thinking. sixteen hours playing through Call of Duty. No, I mean, War to some extent, there on unhardened. There are times. Hey, there are times getting that, grenade spammed because I wanted to hate it. There are times that both you and I have played games that we didn't like just so that we could say we finished it when we criticized it. Like what? Like lots of games that we've played that we didn't necessarily like, but you play it because you want to be able to. When people critique it, you can. They're like, "Did you finish it?" You can be like, "Yes, bitch, I did." That's the, re- that's the reason I review games. <laughs> so you can hate say, on them. I want to say mean things about them, but also sound like I, I'm allowed to say that those things. Phil Collins, well, I should, you know, I, I, you know, I probably only played it, you know, thirty or forty minutes, and uh, to me, it just felt like the, the multiplayer level design, you know, what wasn't as good as uh you know, the Modern Warfare game. That's fair. Um, a lot of, you know, especially on the small, on the smaller maps, it's just spawn to death, spawn to death, spawn to death. The bigger maps in it, though, are fun. Like, I thought if if it does have one redeeming quality, is the multiplayer with the big big team battles are actually really, really I cool. think you're just making excuses because you like the World War II weapons better. No, I just think that it's 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 not a better game than Modern Warfare by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't think that it's, like, a bad game by any means. I thought it was actually pretty good. Like, I just... I still haven't played World War II. It doesn't compare to Modern War. I mean, I can lend you a piece of I have, copy. I have a copy. The I point I'm making is that, it, is that no one should mistake that I'm ever saying that it compares to Modern War because it doesn't. But it's still fun in its own ways in a lot of ways. And the big team battles in particular that Modern War doesn't have, it does that pretty good. It sounds it sounds to me like basically like the major problem is just that I know I think a lot of people went in expecting this to be at least as good as Modern Warfare. And I still think that Call of Duty 2 is a great yeah. game. It is, and the thing is is that I do in some ways like like the the satisfaction of killing somebody with a bolt action rifle more than yeah, I I was, do with an automatic weapon. I was going to bring Call of Duty Two up because I mean I loved that multiplayer and I played it um, for days for upon real. days of my life. You know, and, and it's it's very different from uh, I had Modern Warfare. That too. Um, we were called Lothar, so everybody's <laughs> name Lothar of the Hill People was what it came from. <laughs> That's great. And so all of our clan names, we didn't really have like a clan tag, but everyone would be named something like like. I, like, I totally Lothar'd your mom would be, like, someone's name. And then, like, another person was named Lothar, my eyes bleed, dot, 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 why? Like, just names that didn't make any sense. And so we'd all just join in together, and people would kick all the Lothars. Like, because they would know us when we'd come in, and just kick us. <laughs> like, See, I, Modern Warfare is the first Call of Duty game whose multiplayer is actually really interested in. Before that, I just wasn't... I don't know, man. I just feel like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, they did a great thing with Call of Duty 2. I just, in some ways, you're right, though. I do find shooting someone with a bolt-action rifle. Like, like when you shoot someone from a big old distance with a bolt-action rifle, it is rad. I don't know. I mean, that's why I think people sometimes find so much satisfaction in Modern Warfare using a bolt-action sniper rifle and stuff. It's got that same sort of feel, except every gun was like that in Call of Duty 2. Again, 
I, Modern Warfare is, is the vastly superior one, just not terrible. The other one's not terrible. I don't know, I'd just be happy. I To be fair, World at War is a better game than Call of Duty 3 was. Definitely. That's very um, true. By yeah. leaps and bounds, but it's mm-hmm. still like, I didn't... There were there were there were parts that I enjoyed, but they were always overwhelmed by the parts that felt cheap and like they weren't very well designed. And I mean, but even in the single player of Call of Duty Four, there are plenty of parts that, if you play on hardened or veteran, feel cheap. I didn't. There was nothing in Call of Duty Four that felt as cheap as a lot of parts as of the war. Okay, well, we're going into gradients. including enemies that spring out of the ground. We're going into gradients of cheaper. Well, that actually happened in World I understand war II. that that happened, but still, okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how we got on this discussion. This went a long time for World at War, which only which Tyler only played thirty I guess, to forty minutes. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess you know it's an, it's just a conversation that's important because me and Arthur never had a chance to talk about it, and we both did beat it. So that's fair. Um, Tyler, do you have anything else? That's all. Okay, Arthur. Uh, I finished Dawn of War two on single player, or I beat Dawn of War two. There were still missions that I could have done that I didn't. Um, Dawn of War 2 good. Dawn of War 2 good introduction to RTS game for people who are not into RTS games. Yeah, called Co for Babies by Rory, the guy that I play games with all the Ouch. time. Multiplayer, he says, is like is like not very satisfying for people in Co that like to like micromanage the direction that a tank's facing and shit like that. I mean, it really is it really is stripped down, but I think for a lot of people they're gonna find that much more inviting. I mean, it was extremely daunting. Yeah, and I don't know, I just accessibility was a big problem with Company of Heroes and I maybe they're just they don't like it that they don't have as many options to run around, run all over people that they did in Co. No, but, I mean there's plenty of options. That was the problem they said though was that it was so easy to run all over people in Dawn of War because it because it involves so fewer things that there's easier to find exploits that really work. But I mean um, I'm interested to see. I I haven't gone online since the the beta. Just because I've been more interested in the single player campaign. I mean, it's but. just a different game. Hero play with heroes in every unit and stuff that completely changes the way that people play and stuff. So it really, it's just a different game. But it is very stripped down for company heroes. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just you have to go into it. you don't go into it expecting oh this is from the people that made company heroes. I'm going to play a company heroes game involved in 40k. No, it's yeah. not that. And I mean, uh, since we both finished it, I, I think it's come to it, it's come to our attention that that the stuff you get in the some of the rewards you get in dawn of war are randomized like i definitely got items that anthony never got and it changed my style of play um whereas he got certain items that i never saw that let him blow through parts a little more yeah, easily I mean, and that's that's sort of the where the diablo comparison comes yeah from, right? like I, the where there's a little bit where there's very randomized loot. there are very or, specific loot at times as well Well, yeah there there's that like the terminator there are three sets of terminator armor total in the game so you have to make choices as far as who's wearing terminator armor and you'll never have enough for everyone Okay. So you have to decide if you want your hero to have it or if you want to give it to your squads and decide what squads you want to take. And at the end, I only had one squad that wasn't level 20 and they were a squad I never used. That's like, the case for most people. So It's not that Cyrus didn't seem cool. He just no, wasn't it's ex- useful. That's exactly what it was. There's a unit in the game that basically you'll play and they'll be eternally worthless throughout the whole game. I mean, so. I'm curious to see what expansions they have because it's, I mean, you know, it's only a matter of time before they release, like, an Eldar campaign. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, that, that's sure. very typical. I mean, just like the last Dawn of War had such a long life, I'm sure this one will have an extremely long life of them releasing well, expansions. What did the last one they... have, like, four or five expansions? Five? Four, something crazy. Four, I think. Was it four? Yeah. yeah. Well, four expansions, five games total. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't remember. I mean, there's a lot of armies in 40K, yeah. so that's the, that's the whole thing, I mean. I, I'm I'm curious about Dawn of War. Like, 
I don't think I asked this before in one of our previous discussions, but is it actually interesting at all from... Maybe I did ask it. Like, if you, you don't know me. shit about it? But no, is it actually interesting at all from, like, a plot point of view? I mean, it it does have a plot. And yeah, it uses yeah, that I, plot to move the gameplay forward, but... it's It was interesting to me, a person that's read some 40k books and stuff is a shameful human. Um, but, uh... <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of there's there's a there's a really cool fiction behind it, but as far as story goes in the game, yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty light. The characters okay. are, and the characters are pretty cliched. There's like the guy that's like the gruff and tough guy, and that's see that's that's too bad. Just because, I mean, obviously, I think especially if the first part of StarCraft Two makes it out this year, I think Dawn of War Two is going to get a lot of comparisons to StarCraft Two. And yeah, I mean, I I, I know still that feel StarCraft Two plot wise, like StarCraft, that's one of the reasons I love the original StarCraft was the story. I thought the story was actually really well written and engaging. Yeah, I mean, I just I, as far as like any game getting its plot comp- compared to like a Blizzard RTS game, it's like not fair. Blizzard actually is like the only company, in my opinion, that makes RTS single player stories that are interesting. That's and also, I like, mean. The, the Diablo stories were never all that special, and that's I mean, true. Those again, those had great those. fiction, but not great stories. So, so in a lot of ways, I feel like Dawn of War almost compares more to like Diablo tactics than it does. Plus, to I mean, in a lot Starcraft. of ways, yeah, comparing Dawn of War to Starcraft can be totally different because in Dawn of War you don't build units, and yeah, Starcraft's still very much a game about. Base yeah, building. I just meant like uh, on the core level, like as a sci-fi art. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, visually, there's a reason. You know, I mean, Starcraft ripped off. 40k yeah so. yeah <laughs> although at this point they've managed to to come up with enough interesting characterizations and histories for their races that they oh yeah don't get me wrong fuck man i'm starcraft's like the game i'm the most excited to play for the single player in a long time so but it's going to be a throwback after playing Dawn. i'm kind of glad that it's not coming out around the same time as dawn of yeah. war because it's going to feel it's going to feel like a few steps backwards because i mean there's just not a lot of micro in Dawn of War. Like, you're not constantly babysitting your units. It's more babysitting, like, your overall standing on the field. You mean in StarCraft? Well, no, in Dawn of War, there's not a lot of micro, is what I'm saying. Where there's is a lot in... of micro with your individual units, pushing them behind cover using their individual abilities. That's micro. Well, yeah, but no, micro in reference to clicking 200 times a minute to get all your units to very specific spots and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, it's and a different type of micro, I it's, guess. I, when people think micro, Dawn of War is not what they think of. Like I they, don't know. When I think of micromanagement, I think of stuff in company heroes like changing the facing of a tank and using special. Yeah. See, when everyone else thinks micro, they think, okay, well, I need to have four drones to harvest, and then I'll start a hive, and then I'll do this and this and this, and then I'll have for everyone else. I'm fuck you. That's, that's sort of true. That's sort <laughs> what that I don't speak yeah. for everyone else. No, I don't speak for everyone else. But that's what the 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 idea of micro is in RTS games just because you don't think that it is. I well, the people I play RTS games wouldn't are not no, your no, typical I mean, RTS I would say gamers. Both of those, like both of what you're talking about. I mean, I understand that. I understand that you and Sean Elliott are Company of Hero elitists, and I really like Company of Heroes too. But if we're going by sales numbers, Company of Heroes is sold dick in comparison to. That doesn't have anything. Command to do with and Conquer, or Starcraft. No, but those, that's what people. That's what micro is when people think of it in RTS games. Well, what? Well, would you say that the that the AI in Dawn of War is capable of sort of taking care of themselves a little more than uh, maybe the AI and oh uh, that you know, like, well, that's I think the AI yeah, has I mean, personality in Dawn of War. Yeah, I mean they they jump behind cover and jump out of the way of grenades and I mean they that's been one thing relics always strive for is making units right. that look so, like they so, care so, about themselves. So in that way, I could kind of see what you know what, what what you're saying, Arthur, about not being as micromanagey. I mean, unless micro is. God damn it, my fucking assault marines decided to teleport back into the fray after I told them to leave. I better go grab them again. But, um, uh. 
like I said, I guess it's just a different type of micromanagement. One is about how fast you can click. One's about like the way in which you use the very few clicks that you do use. I guess. Yeah, that's so. I when I when I I consider Company of Heroes and Dawn of War more tactical. But what else have you been playing? Uh, and that segued into Halo Wars, which wasn't necessarily a kind segue, but um, I think we've we've touched upon this. But basically. If Halo you Wars, I really like it. I do. I really like. I really like Halo Wars. Even though apparently I'm one of the only ones, because when you sign on, there's only like seven thousand people playing online, like, which is not anywhere near like any other Halo game has had. But uh, I I enjoy Halo Wars for what it is, and I enjoy it as like part of Halo canon, even though it kind of shits on Halo canon. And uh, like the I. The graphics are good, and the missions are fun, and the the objectives are fun. But it, but it doesn't necessarily shit on Halo Cannon by the time it gets to the end. Well, yeah, but that's the important part to know. I don't, I don't know. It just for it, essentially you meet the flood twenty years before oh. the first Halo game, so that's that's taking all of the accepted Halo Cannon and saying, oh, well, there's this other thing that happened. And Again, you have to get to the end where they can well, explain is, everything away. Yeah, is it happening that's on it. Harvest? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, then it kind of makes sense then. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't. Like it starts on harvest. It starts on harvest, and then, then it bounces all but over I'm the place. I'm just saying that you know, of course. I mean, these guys were being watched by Halo people, so of course it's like any Star Wars thing where it's like they consult the lore and they're like, all right, well, to explain this away, we'll just have to do this in the storyline. So. And and they're interesting. They're interesting mission conceits. Like there's the defend these transports and these civilians long enough to get enough of them off the planet within this amount of time, which was really. A major bitch of a mission, but it was still a cool idea. Um, there's a mission where you're running around on a on the hull of the Spirit of Fire, like trying to clear off flood infection forms and defend against Covenant. And every three minutes, this cleansing beam from the Ring World you're on will streak across the hull and take out any dormant flood. So basically, you have to get rid of all the flood, and you can only, you have to have as many flood pods dormant as possible while that thing goes by, and it'll also fuck up all your stuff. So. It- I mean that's that's fun and and I like the way that the flood and the covenant like work against you but there are so many things that it does not well like the pathfinding is some of the worst I've seen in yeah. an RTS ever. Every time you give a unit an order, everyone stops and like pivots for a second and then starts moving. And there's and if you no mash the A button while they're running, they'll stop every time yeah. you push it. There's no there's no attack move or retreat. So if you send them in, you have to hope that they'll attack, or if you try to retreat, you have to hope that they'll leave. Um, Wait, there's no attack move. That's seems- as in yeah. There's no like, like you can't well, say like move and attack move, or wow. attack everything on your way to the oh, spot. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, wow! Um, and there's no retreat, which means like, stop firing and leave. So you'll try to pull your units out and they'll go. And if you click on a specific area of a map, it's almost like well, I want you within a screen distance of that map, and you can attack everything from that area. And that's caused me to lose a lot of units. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Because you can still win losing a lot of units in that game, but it's frustrating coming from any other RTS where you, your units have value. Yeah, I mean, I, I still like the game, but I have to be honest, I'm glad I didn't pay for it. I so. mean, I yeah, I, I I like it, and it is I like it for what it is, but as an RTS, it's almost like they, they simplified things that they shouldn't have because it, it makes for a less a less compelling game and a more confusing game because you have less control and they didn't simplify other things enough. So, but the cinemas are awesome. 
Yeah, if he does one thing right, man has like way better looking cinemas than even the Halo game had. Yeah, uh, I mean the Halo Three cinemas were an abomination in spots. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, and the presentation is awesome, and the interface is great, and like snapping between bases and units is pretty good. And, and I mean, for Halo fans, it's definitely still like fan service all yeah. over the place. And it's actiony; like you can throw yourself against things and not have to like do too much strategizing. Like you just have to know what to build and what to do, and and on normal anyway. I haven't played it above normal, so. And I'm gonna give it a try online on multiplayer just to see what cool. it's like. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and then I. Finally, I broke my Peggle Cherry today. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it came out on Xbox, Xbox Live? Because it came on Xbox Live, and I mean, I had wanted to buy no, Peggle that tonight. a while back, but... Are you? Yes. Like, even though you already own it on PC? Yes. The the multiplayer know. is fucking great. Oh, there's multiplayer. I've heard the multiplayer is great. There's four-player multiplayer. Of, I've heard it has a ton of maps, and I'm oh. sorry, I didn't want to spend money. There's so much shouting. Uh, there's so much shouting going on over the mic, and uh, yes, there are four-player multiplayer online, huh? Yeah. So the way oh, that the way the multiplayer works is that, at least in the in the peg party mode, which sounds like some kind of weird gay sex party at Studio Fifty Four. <laughs> um, basically, everybody takes their turn at the same time, and you hit the Y button to look and at everyone else's blade. boards. What? <laughs> <laughs> No, what did you say? I said shoot through the glory hole. I was throwing in sexual reference. Oh, once you said peg party and you said yeah. sexual, then my mind. Well, I mean, do you know what? I, I don't know if anyone else actually knows what pegging means, but let's that, not talk about it. Yeah, no. <laughs> do not do a Google search for pegging. I want it. Well, that is my warning to you. And if you do it, looking it up now. <laughs> if you do it, and you get mad. Just know that I said you don't want to look up pegging, especially with safe search off. Um. So so everybody goes at the same time, and you have 13 seconds to make your shot. And then at the end of each round, it compares your uh, your scores. So mm-hmm. so it sounds it sounds not good, or I mean, it doesn't sound especially compelling. But in practice, it's yeah, really a hard fun. game to sell to anyone that doesn't know what it is. Like, it's when you so tell them, it's, like, it's kind of like a weird pachinko luck game, and they're like, "Fuck that." It doesn't uh, honestly like when when Peggle sells itself is at the end of the round when Ode to Joy kicks in and it like yep. zooms in on your ball. That's when Peggle clicks is when you realize that you're in this crazy universe with a unicorn named Bjorn with Ode to Joy going on in the background. And then there's dual mode where everyone takes turns on the same board trying to get the most points and All right. I'm sold. <laughs> Even the even after being unsold earlier, you naysayed Peggle well, on because Xbox. I forgot that there was multiplayer. That yeah. was the thing. Because if it's, it was just a single player again, then no. And that's that's why I waited because I was going to buy Peggle months ago because it was on sale, and then I saw that the live arcade version was going to have a bunch of multiplayer and stuff, and I was like, "Fuck!" So, Peggle. All right. I wish I was playing Peggle right now. You will be soon. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, are you are you done? Yeah, that's Good. it. What cool. have you been playing, Phil? Um. I checked out a lot more Dragon Quest V, of course. Um, I'm going to give some minor minor spoiler warning here. It's pretty early in the game, but at about the 10-hour mark, like I, like I was saying last week, I got the feeling that you start off as a kid, and I got the feeling that eventually it kind of like jumps in time and you grow up. And this happened to me finally. At like the 10-hour mark, you're playing, and it's just this sort of this generic fantasy thing, but then suddenly uh, the game takes this really sudden turn for the serious, and... Uh, you and this this prince who you're traveling with get kidnapped and your dad dies. You go from whimsy to Holocaust over the course of 15 minutes. Well, see, here's the thing. Your, your dad dies and you get kidnapped and then it jumps ahead 10 years 
And for 10 years, you've been a slave building this. Awesome. Evil, it's this, Conan like, the RPG. You've been a slave <laughs> building this church that's like a dedicated to this evil cult god. That um, really is Conan the RPG. It's pretty fantastic. And it was it was just very unexpected. And then, of course, you do like the whole you have to break out and then you're traveling the world, like searching for the legendary hero who can bring down this evil cult. And I'm assuming at some point you probably find out you're the legendary hero, but I, I don't know yet. I'm not that far. Philip's my legendary hero. Thank you. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do for you now, but we can talk about it during Have the call. Save your world. I don't know. I I mean I'm familiar. with I, I, It's I been not, called that before. I've not I've not seen it since I was a little kid. So, mm-hmm. but the game is fantastic, and I guess the best thing I can say about it is just that I've been spending a ton of time in it, just grinding, like more than I need to. And what's, what is going on between? Don't mind, these? don't mind the sex on the couch. I'm sorry, this chair, this thing squeaks a lot. It is, it is squeaking a lot. Tyler is a very attractive young man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very flattering. Dragon Quest Five is amazing. Everybody should check it out. I'm probably like 20 hours in now, or something. Jesus. And wow, a, a, a stupid amount of that has been spent just grinding and like chilling out and listening to podcasts while I grind. And I've got a bunch of monsters in my party now, which is awesome. It was actually really interesting because Amanda is playing it at the same time, and uh, she's she was at the same point as me, but had not got any monsters. And when I got to that point, I already had like six different monsters join my party because it's completely random when a monster joins your party. It's there's like a random chance at the end of battle of them asking to join you. That's rad. What so, monsters do you have in your party, Phil? Uh, right now, my main monsters are Show I me have Pokemans. I have a heal slime which can heal, and I have a dragon. What color is the heal slime? It's blue cute <laughs> <laughs> it is cute and i have a drackey and then i have a restless armor which is like a just armor ghost armor thing that yeah it's, it's that a pretty awesome sense. party okay does Anyways. he like scratch like a crack addict or something <laughs> what? he's restless yeah i guess god damn you phil and your lack of understanding killing my joke <laughs> I think you killed that joke. Okay. I also played a bunch of uh, Retro Game wah, Challenge. Wah. I don't have a lot to say about Retro Game Challenge other than that it's just amazing at capturing that feeling of nostalgia. If you grew up playing NES games, which I did, like this, I guarantee you this will transport you back to like sitting on your living room floor. Are you playing Retro Game Challenge for fun? Just for, for fun, fun, yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I sunk a lot of time into it when I probably should have been playing other stuff. But You're going to make me buy that goddamn game, aren't you, Phil Collar? I will lend you my copy when I'm done with it. I need it sooner than that. You should buy it then. It, it is really excellent. Um, and also, Anthony, we broke out the Sonic Ultimate Genesis collection, which you forgot to bring up. Oh yeah. Well, I think it. I I forgot intentionally. <laughs> you blocked it out. Wow, that's sad. No, I didn't. It wasn't bad actually. But I. I it, <laughs> well, okay. The, the Sonic Ultimate Genesis collection is not bad. The games that we played on it. Might have been bad. We're awful. That's the thing about any time you play like old collection games, or you find like an emulator and you download a bunch of the games you used to like, you play them, and then you're just disappointed a lot of times. Okay, so so give me a rundown. What what did you play on the the Ultimate Collection? My cat is chasing a moth. We spent a long time playing uh, Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which is amazing. Uh, that, well, yeah, that's that like Doctor Mario, basically. Right? Yeah, and that one that one was good. But then we decided to try out some other stuff. Um, we wanted to unlock Zaxxon, so. We, we were playing uh, Decap Attack, which I had never heard of. 
It's where you're a mummy and you throw your head at things, right? Yep. You are correct. Wow. How did you I had this? a fucking Genesis. I know these things. Man, when we had that back... Eternal Champions discussion a couple weeks ago, I was like, yeah. <laughs> fucking Eternal Champions. Decapitech. Yeah, Robot kickboxers. I'm sure back in the day if we'd played Decapitech like, as a person that owned a Genesis, I think we would have had a different light on it. Maybe. No. No. You would have thought it was dumb then, too. I don't know. I mean, I would... It's no booger, man. I liked a lot of stupid things back then. I might have liked it, but this was... It, it was really bad platforming. That's all I can say. And then, uh, I don't know what else we played. We played uh, Alex Kidd. Uh, I was going to ask, how, how many Alex Kidd games were on that disc? I, there was only one that we played, and I, I can't remember which one it was. Oh, and then we played Kid it. Chameleon as well. Kid Chameleon was, was kind of interesting. And dumb. It was bad. <laughs> Like the premise of it is that you're like a Jesus. you're like a kid with a leather jacket and big ass eighties sunglasses or what would nowadays be hipster sunglasses and you're like a You look like one of the kids from the sandlot. And yeah, and you're like and there's this arcade where people go and enter virtual reality and the owners uses the game to make them into slaves. All except one kid. Kid chameleon. This game is from nineteen ninety two, by the way. <laughs> That's pretty good. The the Genesis game I really want to see in a compilation and I just haven't is Chalk and, and man, that game was fucked up. I don't even know what that is. It was based on a comic where you're like this like voodoo dude with swords that like fuck shit up and they were making it, they were doing a, a sequel to it and it got cancelled. I think it got did you ever see the the second Legacy of Kane game, the one where you were Kane again, the one that was really bad? Yeah. Yeah, that started as like the sequel to Chalkin and got co-opted into something else. The last Sega Genesis game I ever bought was Lethal Enforcers with two guns for nineteen ninety nine from KB Toys when the Sega Genesis was going out. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the Genesis collection is pretty awesome. I mean, there are a lot of games and it's it's cheap, but there are also a number of pretty awful games. The Alex Kidd game was not awful, but it was just weird because none of us had ever played an Alex Kidd game before. Did you? Yeah, did the you... thing is, is just I find anytime you go back and play collections or old games, sorry to interrupt you, was that uh, it's just that you you never end up playing more than a few minutes of any one game. Like it never sucks you uh, in like it used to. Like, see, but I, I feel it can if you're in the right mindset. I feel like that's that's, that's how a retro game challenge works for me even though it's not real old games but actually i mean that's how i felt when i was a kid and i'd be at a friend's house with like eight million games like i'd play something and say uh okay i want to try something else uh, okay i want to try something else like having that overwhelming sense of variety is sort of intimidating and makes me want to jump from game to game you should check out the uh angry video game nerd on on his site cinemassacre he just put up a video of his nes collection he has almost every nes game ever made well i thought he had every nes game because not we, everyone remember almost. that one time we were talking to that guy on the phone i thought he, um, he told us everyone. they had every no. single one he has very close and uh this includes unofficial like non-nintendo licensed ones like the tengen cartridges yeah. the black oh man i used tengen to have cartridges. people that were in the navy whose family would bring those back like rbi baseball and yeah. shit was a black tengen cartridge gauntlet was a tengen cartridge yeah he has so he has almost all of them and he was just he just did a video that went up a couple of days ago showing them off it's pretty intimidating and it would probably cause that same problem for you i i wouldn't even be able to pick I wouldn't. I just too just much. ephemeral Fantasia. I would. I would walk in, and then I would look down, and I'd look, to, and I'd look away. Speaking of ephemeral Fantasia, we need to take a break. We'll be back.
Anthony. You just got your haircut today. Tell us about it. I uh, my haircut was cut by a lady. A lady. Oh, because her name's Sumi, so my mind combined words. It does that sometimes. Um, so her, her name is Sumi Gutierrez, which is weird because she's like six years here from Japan. But mm. I just thought it was weird. Her last name is Gutierrez. I mean, she obviously married someone, one of my distance cousins. But, uh, <laughs> like um, another mestizo from, from Spain. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, uh, she was very nice. And then she kind of asked me, like, she was talking to me about how my earrings were so big. And then, like, my hair was so long. And I was like, yeah, I just had a job that didn't matter about that. And then that came into what I did. And I told her I played video games. You know, when you're recounting this conversation, which I only heard from a distance, that kind of sounds more intimate than I than I thought it did. Well, because she pulled my hair back to wash my hair. Okay, it's, uh, she was cutting his hair. She was going to ask about his hair. Yeah, she pulled my sense. hair back. She Your pulled my hair so back. Big. Well, she pulled my hair back to wash my hair. Because, you know, I had such long hair that I had to, to get that done. And she saw my earrings. She's like, Jesus, did that hurt? And I was like, no. And so I explained the whole process. To be fair, you have horseshoes. Stretching my ears. ears, you know. And uh, and so then, yeah, then she just, like, flat out asked me, like, what's the difference between American and Japanese games? And I was all, uh... <laughs> I was like, that's a loaded question. That's so, where my book slowly came down and with, my head with slowly our, came With down. our, like, really, really bad broken English. Like, because, like, I was speaking English, but, you know, she she is good English for a person that was, came here only six years from Japan, but it's just not, she didn't know how to say certain things. So it came down to us deciding that the major difference was that Japan makes cute things and, J- and America makes violent things. That was our conclusion. So, because she was, like, pointing out games like Katamari and stuff like that, and I was like, yeah. And then we were talking about, and then she's like, you know, and then in America you got games where, like, she's like, what's that car game where you wreck the car? It's just like how bad you can wreck the car and wreck it into things. And I was like, I don't know, burnout maybe? And she's like, maybe. So, you know, and then we... That sounds like burnout. And then we talked about, uh, like, the handheld games that she was super into, because that's what she mostly plays. Like, she said she owns a PSP so she can play Lemmings and, uh, and I forgot what the other one was. Yeah, she was cool. Can we get her on the show? We we could get her on the show. She, uh... She, then she asked me about piracy and stuff too, because she wanted a Wii, but she didn't want to. She didn't want to have to buy a, a American Wii and a Japanese Wii, so she wanted to know about mod chips, and then she wanted to know if there was a way to copy games. So I was like, "Why? Why are you asking? Are you wearing a wire?" So, yeah. That why? Was, why? Why would you want an American and a Japanese one? I don't even understand why that would be an issue. Because there are certain games that only come out in Japan for the Wii that she wants, maybe. Yes. So. I don't know. We should get her on the show and then get her arrested. <laughs> All right. Anyways, our de- deportation special. I just wanted to ask you about your haircut. I didn't know it was going to lead into this, but that was yeah. good. It's a less magnificent quaff than it than it was, but it's it's still beautiful. It is beautiful. It's more manageable. I'll still run my hands through his hair any day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had to decide right then whether I should take that further or let it let it down. Let it sit where it was. That was good. Uh, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about a number of different topics this week. We're gonna start with uh, these were recommended by our uh, people on Twitter. Yeah, so we, we I've got their usernames here even because when we don't plan ahead, we rely on you people. Oh well, we just wanted to know what people wanted to hear us talk about. So this one's from Twitter user JSS Lifelike. He says, "What are your thoughts on the idea that Activision and EA have switched places with Act- with Activision taking on the role of pariah amongst the more enthusiast gaming audience? Do you ad- agree or disagree?" Um, well, so yeah, why don't, why don't you guys start off, Tyler? For one, I think pariah is kind of like taking it too far with calling like EA being a pariah. 
Yeah. I think that's that's maybe a strong a word for it. More like the the really rich douchey guy at your high school. <laughs> I, I think that's good. Throw shit at you and fucking I, don't know. Class. I, I think that's too far too. No, no, no. I totally see that. What's a what's the Activision CEO? Bobby Kotick. Yeah, he always comes off that way to me. Oh, I was talking about EA. Sorry. Oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah. No, no, not EA. They're, well, that that's that's EA sort of the, is the of this question. I guess <laughs> is that EA is. EA used to be that way, and, right? Right. In in the recent, like the past year and a half or two years, they've kind of switched places, and EA is more doing more of the. Uh, EA is the popular kid that mm-hmm. EA is the popular quit, kid that quit the football team, and then and then was less successful, and then his parents got laid off. <laughs> oh no, that's sad. <laughs> so we just gonna use. I like this though. We should use high school analogies for uh, everything we talk about. Pain, pain. Every podcast. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 Activision bad. I mean, maybe not Activision bad, but Activision, um, raping and pillaging for profit as much as possible. I guess. I mean, I guess back when I was uh, not playing, you know, nowadays I try and play everything that comes out that's, you know, considered good, just so that I can have a good understanding of everything. But before I was doing that, there was a time when I like just basically wouldn't buy EA products. Just because I felt like uh, they weren't doing good things for the industry. Was this around the time of the EA wife story? Yeah, yeah, this is around that time. And uh, I like I, again now I'm playing kind of everything, but I do feel like if I wasn't, that I would maybe be leaning towards that direction with Activision. Do any of you guys feel that way? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big Activision fan. I mean, ever since they just like have gotten more concerned with pumping out like a Call of Duty and Guitar Hero all the time, and they've like have that budget wings of their games where they release like these shitty budget games under the Activision label that are just I have like, a, terrible. I have a buddy who worked at Activision's budget label. Did he make History Channel games? He he, he was, did make History he was Channel involved games. In the, uh, he, was, he was just QA, but he was involved. And he, ta- he told me stories. He was a good German. <sighs> Alright, let's, let's read a... <laughs> <laughs> that sigh was... <laughs> Let's read a comment here. Rivasalot says, It's like Activision discovered cocaine, cocaine, be- cocaine being the figurative symbol for the action of rehashing. And when they tried it the first time, they liked it and decided to do it more. They like it so much that they turn to deceiving friends and family for capital gain to buy more cocaine. <laughs> That's so good. Eventually, they're going to reach a plateau and that cocaine is going to run out. <laughs> That's so good. Or they're just going to be found in their office. Because then when Activision realizes that their cocaine's run out, they'll just fall back on meth, which is Blizzard. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't Blizzard more like crack? I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's like super addictive. Like, I guess it's more like black tar heroin. You could try it once and be addicted. (laughs) I think, I think back to the metaphor cast. (laughs) One day they'll just walk into Activision's audience and they'll see them like face down in a pile of cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) So, they always have uh, Blizzard to fall back on. I'm imagining more of a Scarface scenario at the end where... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm just having images in my head of, like, the greatest Activision earnings call in history. <laughs> where Bobby Kotick is just on the phone, and all of a sudden you hear, like, doors breaking down and gunshots. Okay. Um, <laughs> that answers your question. No, well, like, uh... <laughs> Well, we're having a discussion. <laughs> yeah. What, okay. So, like, let's let's talk a little bit more about where do we where do you guys think EA started turning it around? Because it was it was very subtle for me, but I realized like at some point 
I think when I realized it was early last year, or or maybe maybe just the year before that, but I realized at some point that I actually had started liking EA as a publisher and really enjoying a majority of the games they put out. I, mean, I guess EA it was Sports. when they started announcing a bunch more of uh, their unique IPs as well. I mean, uh, they they at the time they were announcing things like. At the time when I started to like them, it was because they were announcing things for the first time, like Army of Two and Mass Effect. And Dead Space. And Dead Space. And, uh, I, think, I think it started when Fight Night 3 came out, is when people started... That was the first EA game in a long time that I'd, I'd seen that people were excited about and critics seemed to really like, and it was really innovative and people were into I mean, the and idea. I, and also, I still liked EA when they were making games like Black, too. There yeah. was like a few things like yeah, that. Yeah, um, you know, to me, uh, another... You know, sign of a light on the horizon for EA was even far back with their Lord of the Rings games, like the way they That's were able to make true. really, really good licensed games. And um, I'm I'm really surprised that you know I haven't seen EA do anything with that sort of like same engine. Like the combat in those in those games were amazing. The 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 levels. Well, they know, they scale. just recently released. Uh... I forget what it's called, Lord of the Rings Conquest or something yeah, like that, which, which is like a modern version of Which that. is totally garbage and sold really well for some reason. I thought it was more like a Battlefront. Yeah, it is a Battlefront. Oh, um, there was one God, other game, ignorant. there was one game that was released on the same engine as the Lord of the Rings games oh, really? um, from Atari. It was called Demon's Stone. It was a Forgotten oh, Realms right. D&D game. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I've got it, and it's not especially great because it mm. doesn't have co-op, but it was a cool idea. Um I don't know. I think when it when it clicked for me that maybe EA was becoming a different company other than Peter Moore leaving Microsoft to work for them was uh for the when, EA Sports division. Yeah, was when they delayed Army of 2. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, that was a big deal. Yeah. Because they probably could have squeezed Army of Two out during the holiday. Well, they well they, they had, had it already. They had, they had, they had, yeah. They didn't. The yeah. review and they didn't. already gone out. Yeah, and, and they didn't even though they probably could have marketed that game in such a way that it would have sold well. I, I think that that holiday, there were opportunities for that. Assassin's Creed comes to mind because it was reviewed very poorly in a lot of circles, but still sold really uh, well because of the Assassin's advertising. Creed was reviewed pretty well. It like averages like a 7.5, I think, which is way lower than people expected Assassin's Creed to get. But I'm saying but, a lot of the bigger name places guy gave it a, a high enough score that... It would have been okay. Yeah, but I mean, you, the the point is, like, even amidst review controversy, um, Assassin's Creed did well, and a lot of people attribute that to marketing. And I feel like EA probably could have sold a lot of copies of Army of Two in that that Christmas era or that Christmas period with with really heavy marketing. Uh, Nick G in our comments says, I think that EA is now becoming a company that can understand what the enthusiast gamer wants: variety and quality. Sure, they make sports games year, year after year. But at at this point, they have to. Looking back at the past year, there were many games that caught my attention. I think this year is going to be another great year for games from EA, Brutal Legend, Rock Band, Beatles, etc. Although, I, he, he brings up the sports games here and says they still have to. I actually think EA Sports is going to be one of the lines this year that we see kind of getting cut back a little. I don't know. I feel like uh, EA Sports is like the only thing that's funding their ability yeah, to make things. Exactly. Like, I, think, I think last year, the sports games actually started selling a lot worse than yeah, that. Well, no, yeah, they're, the, they're, uh, the Madden didn't sell as well. well the problem with be, the I mean, Madden they, games last year that is... That could be, though. They, they sell worse, but they're still not selling... Like they're still making money, I bet. So I'm just they saying. only sold a hundred copies of Madden. I'm just gonna throw that out. There. <laughs> I'm just saying because the problem is, is that is that I mean, like those other games, like Dead Space and stuff. I don't think they've. I mean, I'm I'm sure they've, they've cleared the, right. the million mark. But I I'm think saying now. I'm saying they didn't perform necessarily like for the budget that went into and everything. You know, sometimes no, it gets and, a little questionable. And the decrease in Madden sales is at least in part attributable to 
a virtual disappearance of PS2 sales uh, of their games. Like the the PS2 Madden isn't really selling anymore. And That's possible. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think that if uh, if EA keeps releasing games like a Mirror's Edge two, a Dead Space two, and they don't perform as well as EA might hope, we might see EA stop being the EA that we really yeah, like. And that's 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 sort of the problem. And I think one of the things we have to talk about is like. You know, we we are talking about this from an enthusiast standpoint, from a critical standpoint. EA has become much more well liked than Activision, but from the point of view of making money, Activision is clearly winning out on this, and that's and why they've face. become so much bigger. Um, so, so we have EA's a, had trouble. I mean, they've had trouble making money with this new, this new uh, point their of new view. approach. Yeah. Which I mean, John Rigatello is saying that his approach to to new IP is that he wants to lay the foundation for long-term goals instead of destroying their brand credibility, which is something I think that they were approaching before, but in the meantime it is costing them money and I we actually had we had some really good comments that were that yeah, pointed I mean, out to that in the effect. meantime it's costing them money in the meantime we're in a recession and in the meantime there's still a board of people at EA that can, Yeah, they can are publicly traded. They are a publicly traded company. Um but uh there were did you want to? I don't. I'm hold on. I'm still looking through these. Um, At the same time, I mean, I, you know, I believe that some of the titles, you know, like we keep bringing up Dead Space, that seems like a game to me that has really long legs and, and uh, you know, can have strong sales, you know, a long time after, uh, you know, kind of like Grand Theft Auto, you know, sells strong every month. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, Dead I mean, Space especially is awesome. if you go into like GameStop, like the used copy of Dead Space is still relatively expensive compared to you know another used game that was released the same month. Electrix uh, says the only thing that's keeping EA less hateful is the fact that their partners program puts the development of games with the DICE, Criterion, Harmonix, and other reliable names with EA taking some of the credit because their logo is on the box. I think that's a little bit harsh. I mean, obviously, EA is still, still pumping money into these, and we've got to give them cre- some credit for that. It's not mm-hmm. just because their name is on the box. They're actually putting money into these yeah, projects. I mean, uh, but the partners program is huge. I mean, I think that is a big deal. Like, definitely. Yeah, like, what is a... Isn't EA working... I can't remember. I mean, I remember it got announced. EA is working with Epic on what? Like a... Yes, yeah, like a multi-platform some, IP using Unreal 3. Yeah. I thought it was like a, mm-hmm. another, like, uh, from the guys that made... Uh, like a painkiller, I think it's like they're working with those guys or something. Yeah, yeah that's that, right. That, yeah, yeah. you're correct. So, and they're also working with um, what's that name? <laughs> uh, aren't they working with Grasshopper Manufacturer? Yes, yes, yeah. So, as so. part of as a publishing agreement, but I again, that's part of the partners yeah. program. Yeah, I a I, big big step for EA. I don't know that. I mean, Criterion isn't a publishing partner. Criterion is owned Criterion's by EA. Owned, yes. yes. Um, so every move that Criterion has made in regards to their content and the fact, way they I think give stuff Dice away. Is owned by EA as well. Yeah. Yes. So this, and, this guy didn't actually name any partners. I mean, but Rock Band and and, and the Orange Box and, and Left for Dead are, are good examples of games that EA's name is on that they didn't really have a lot to do with. But I don't feel like people are giving EA a ton of credit for what Left for Dead is doing or what Rock Band is doing. Like they mm-hmm. Harmonics is the name that we associate. Is is with EA Rock Band. associated with Left for Dead? I don't think they are Left for Dead. EA published Left for Dead. Did they? Yes. I don't remember seeing an E logo when I start that up is all. No. On Left they, for Dead. They there is no logo on it, but they did publish it, yeah, right? They did publish it. Huh? Well, so you made me fucking question myself. I was like, wait. They did, didn't they? I just yeah. didn't realize. That. I mean, I knew Val- they did with Valve's, Orange Box, but I didn't know yeah, they did. Valve's yeah, no. Part of the partners mm-hmm. for and and, and there, I mean, I can't think of any other publisher that would have done that. Like, would have kept such a light hand on it because everything else EA I'm has sure the it helps goddamn. When, they're, uh, le- when it's Valve as well. True. So Mike Mike says the saddest thing about Activision becoming a pariah is I think the hatred that spills over to upstanding companies like Blizzard. 
Five years ago, the announcement of three full StarCraft games would have elicited euphoria. Now it brings up cries of sellout and accusations of charging three times for a single game. Yeah, and having gone to BlizzCon, though, like, honestly, it never even once occurred to me that this is because they're part of Activision. It occurred to me that it was more like, when I had that brief thought, was like, this is because Blizzard only has, like, three IPs, and so they need to milk it for all they got. Yeah. But at the same time, then I, you know, then people learned about how long the campaign is and how much work is going into it, and I think most people's attitudes changed. Well, I don't know. I don't know that most people's have, but I think that until Blizzard fucks us, they have the benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah. there's never been a time where I felt screwed buying a Blizzard product, and I mean, people who have been forking over upwards of a hundred and forty dollars a year on their WoW habit don't feel screwed over. Yep. So, uh, let's see here. Summit Sarkar, Sarkar. Summit, yeah, he's I, I from that, Destructoid. Yeah, he's from Destructoid. He's a cool guy. Hopefully, I didn't mangle your name. But uh, he brings up some of the different. He's he basically said that what we can bring this down to is the different attitudes of the CEOs who have been talking about John Riccatello for EA and Bobby Kotick for for Activision. He says Riccatello has gone so far as to come out and admit EA's past transgressions, like at Dice 2008 when he denounced the buy and assimilate model regarding their prior consolidation of studios. Since he took the company's reins in early 2007, there's been a marked change in the kinds of games they've published, as well as strategies they've employed. This is a company that used to be vilified, but they've taken chances on new IPs such as Dead Space, Mirror's Edge, and Henry Hatsworth. Um, so, and also like that he brings up Henry Hatsworth is really interesting. Like that they are continuing to push out new IPs this year as well, even though they've been struggling with it a little bit. And didn't they also come out re- recently and say, like, oh, we can also release games in another time of the year other than the fall, you know? Yeah, they're, I mean, they're part of the uh, yeah. the sort of movement towards realizing that... There More is, people should release games in the goddamn summer. That's what I think. For real. Like, any other time besides right before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, and... In fact, I wish they would have released, like, Mirror's Edge at some time before, right before Christmas, like... Mirror's Edge, or after Christmas. Yeah. Like, February was kind and of a dry People got a lot of monies. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's just it's just unfortunate that they're only now realizing that because I think publishers like 2K demonstrated a couple times in 2007 that now, releasing a game with less marketing behind it could sell well, like they did with The Darkness yeah. and Bioshock. The other thing that, that he brings up, which I think is interesting, is because he is a, he's a sports gamer, much more so than any of us in the room, so he, yeah. he does bring up EA Sports, um, and he said that actually the attitude has manifested itself in a renaissance of sorts of the EA Sports under... Peter Moore's guidance. Um, he says, EA Sports developers have engaged gamers in all kinds of ways, such as the new Inside EA Sports blog. They've also given promised community sites unprecedented access to the development of their games, so they can take feedback directly from the hardest of the hard- hardcore gamers and implement it into their games to give their fans what they truly want. So apparently, this is this is showing through in the sports division as well, even if the sales have slowed down. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, uh, I think uh, Peter Moore's also done a good job, at whether or not he's spearheaded or, you know, but when he came in is when it all changed. Uh, that whole all-play thing has actually been pretty well received. Even people like that are mm-hmm. hardcore enthusiast sports gamers have actually said that the all-play games are actually pretty fun. So, I think there's there was one comment in particular, or a couple comments in particular, I, I was interested in, just on the point of Devil's Advocate for Activision, is that... EA and Activision are both publicly traded companies, and EA got their teeth kicked in earnings-wise last year, whereas yeah. Activision was one of the only major publishers that actually made money, and they made a lot of it. I mean, So here's, here's what I guess what it comes down to then is, do we think that this new attitude for EA is eventually going to pay off? Are they going to end up making more money than they're losing? And then also as like a sort of follow-up to that, 
it, would they possibly be making more money if in a better economic time? And this kind of leads into the next question as well, I suppose. Yeah, I'm sure that they're making, everyone's making less money because of the economic time, but I don't know. I'm like cautiously optimistic that they can make money on this in the future, but it, I'm still scared that people won't buy enough of it that it'll like it's, to the investors come off as like this is a great plan. What I'm yeah, like what I'm wondering is can, will they be able to stick with this for long enough to make money or are they going to get scared at some point like halfway through 2009 are they going to be like oh god it's not working let's start pumping out sequels and and uh, licensed products now. I think I think last year is when um is when they had pretty huge R&D outlays because they last year was the year where EA really said okay, well we need to have fully competent versions of all of our PS3 stuff mm-hmm. um, for all our games. We need these to be the same on the PS3 as they are on the 360. We want parity feature-wise and graphics-wise and performance-wise. I think the money that they spent in in researching PS3 development and the money that they spent in developing engines that could be used for both platforms isn't money that they're going to have to spend this year. I don't think they're going to okay. have to spend as much money this year. So, hopefully. I guess we're all hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all, I mean, I really like what EA, the directions the EA is going. Yeah, and I, and also, I mean, I think it's important for us to point out, yeah, I mean, I think I'm not as big of a fan of Activision, like, I'll be upfront about that, but also, like, I still love a lot of Activision products. I mean, I'll buy Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, I'm definitely sure. going to buy Modern Warfare 2. I'm curious about a lot of other stuff they're putting out as well. I can't we'll see what happens with the Guitar Hero games this year with I the want 26 guitar- different Guitar Hero SKUs coming out this I year. I kind of want Guitar Hero Metallica because I'm a filthy whore. Definitely a filthy horror. Definitely is there, a filthy horror. Is there anything else Activision published coming out this year that's interesting? Not that I can think of off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Although they've also given up a lot of stuff. Like when when the uh, the merger happened, they gave up a lot of interesting stuff. Like that's gone to other people now, such as Ghostbusters game and Riddick and just a lot of random things. Brutal Legend. So. I'm, I'm going to say this right now: if Activision gets in the way of the Brutal Legend publishing deal with Electronic Arts, I will lead the internet revolution against <laughs> their corporate offices. So help me God. Oh, and of course, also, I mean, we we forget this, of course, but StarCraft, Activision. So, oh yeah, barely counts as Activision. All right, let's go to the next one here. Uh, Twitter user R Bristow two. He says. How do you think shrinking budgets and industry cutbacks will affect games and gaming this year? How will finances affect you as a gamer in particular? I mean, I think it's clear how they've affected us already. <laughs> as I was like talking, like, so are we gonna are we gonna get Resident Evil? Or I'm like talking about I don't want to buy Peggle. It's ten dollars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a burrito. That is a burrito. Real, that I'm might like, even be two burritos if yeah, you're careful. Or two, two Taco Bell trips if I if I spend it right. I'm just saying. Yeah, and I mean, the reality, the reality of it is that everyone on this podcast, no one on this podcast right now has a job. And so, I mean, all of us have, are now considering our game buying habits differently. Like, I know that you recently went in and, like, bought games, but even that was, like, uh, you were, like, yeah. picking up some games, but it wasn't. I mean, I had, I had like, a, a card that I had, a gift card for GameStop that I had left over from Christmas, and um, I'd been just kind of holding on to it because I was like, I want to wait until I really want to buy something, and I was very, like going back and forth on whether or not I was going to get anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I got used to working at Ziff and uh, having money, like disposable income, to the point where any game that came out that I wanted, I just went and picked it up. It wasn't even like I hesitated. Now I'm like like picking and choosing. Yeah, I mean, like my last game, my last job was like between 40 and 45k a year, which isn't a ton, but it's enough yeah, to... It's enough that when you're living with a roommate... Yeah, I mean, as, can... as like someone without family obligations or anything like that, it's enough to live comfortably and buy a bunch of shit that technically I don't need. 
Yeah. Whereas this year is definitely, that's not the case. Like, I'm definitely glad that right now we're in the middle of a console cycle rather than at the end. Because if there was consoles coming out, I would definitely have to pick, like, one to go with, like, right now. If I could even do that. Like, I couldn't even buy a console You would pick your side in the console war. I mean, honestly, like, one of the things that I am uh, thankful for that I think is probably going to be affected by uh, the rough economic times is I think there is going to be longer now until the next round of consoles comes out. And that's, Mm -hmm. to me, that's a very good thing. Like, I'm very okay with that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I was, I mean... You know, I was resistant to even buying a next-gen console, like a 360 at the time, like because I had my PS2 and I was pretty dedicated to it, and I had I have so many games for it. Yeah. You know, it's just like... It was Oblivion stories that sold them. Yeah, I, I just I just don't want to... I'm just... I Right now, I can speak, like, for a lot of people out there, probably, I am not ready to make a financial commitment to, like, four controllers in the system and everything all over again anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. So... And also, you know, we were talking earlier about the classics and how... You know, when we were young, we would play, you know, games that we might not have liked very much just because that's all we had. Well, it's sort of like we're going back to that now where, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, re- I'm returning to games that when I was making a lot of money, I just didn't even play to the end through, you know, and just yeah. like going back to them because yep. like I ain't got shit to play. I feel like in that respect, we've been lucky because in a lot of ways, this console generation has been an embarrassment of riches. There have been so many awesome games yeah. that all came out at the same time that maybe mm-hmm. we picked up. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe, time maybe people through. will see uh, some sales of games that never quite got a chance to pick up. I don't know. If maybe, you'd like to nominate uh, your game for Game Club, you I'm can just saying. I'm people. just saying like maybe yeah, those games that have dropped to like 30 bucks and stuff like that that sold pretty well off slowly like will mm-hmm. pick up. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. nowadays like that's definitely like I, there's been a couple games that I've seen come out and I'm like, ah, maybe when it drops to 40 yeah, I'll get it. Like definitely. I just, I, I have become a more conscious buyer. Video games were one thing that I always just kind of was uh, frivolous with and yeah. not anymore. So how about moving into how it's going to affect uh, studios and like the I, developers I, who are making? We I, think we, about, I think we've you can read Kotaku or Joystick every day and see how it's affecting studios. I mean, we see closure well, notices. Said, I just said to uh, to you before coming over here. Um, I saw a story today about how Warhammer Online shut down sixty three servers today. Forty three in the U.S. Forty three in the U.S. and then twenty in Europe. Wow. Which, uh, honestly, like, was just crazy and now you made can, me feel bad. You can say part of that's, like, people giving up on MMOs, but I'm sure that there is a portion of that that's people that's like, I don't have $15 I'm going to spend yeah. every month of disposable. Yeah, I mean, now. like, half of it is people going back to WoW, and the right. other half is right, people Right, but I'm, I'm just saying, it. yeah, there are obviously people that are probably canceling their Netflix accounts and all kinds of things. Just um, to- I'll make... I, I didn't make this prediction when we did our prediction show, much like no predictions got made that show, but I think GameTap <laughs> closes this year. Uh, maybe. I mean, they, I mean, they close their editorial arm to save money, so we'll see. I don't know how much it really costs. I, I just think it's it. because like Turner has so much other stuff leveraged in so yeah, many no, areas saying, that are affected by advertising. Unlike uh, Warhammer, where they need like full-time GMs and stuff, I don't know really how intensive GameTap is for. Well, they have to pay open. licensing yeah, for I mean, every I mean, game. Maybe I'm just I'm just not sure how much it is. I mean, I'm just curious. You could be right, but I don't know. Uh, Trevor England says, I think celebrity voiceovers will be going out the window. I've always wondered how many people a Delta Burke voice pushes over the line to purchasing a game. It seems that this can be cut completely and Man, not that's affect obscure reference. I agree 100%. Why do we need celebrity voice actors? I don't care. I mean, like... As long as the voice acting is good, good. it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah I think we've already seen... There the... are plenty of people that look like terrible chuds that are probably amazing voice actors who don't or, get enough of a shot. Yeah, like, I mean, look at... <laughs> I mean, let's... Look at GTA 4. I mean, they had some celebrity voice acting in that, right? But, the like, the main characters in that weren't really celebrities. I think what we're... We're not, not seeing... Were great. Or, we're like, not... the guy that does the voice of Prince of Persia 
the guy that does the voice in Uncharted. Like, those guys aren't celebrities. Yeah. We're not seeing the spectacle of voice actors anymore. It's not like Bruce Willis is starring in this game or Samuel L. Jackson is right, in this game. It's done. like... Usually, and like, I don't know. It seems like usually when they have celebrity voice actors, they're awful, too. Yes. Like, they don't know how to voice act in a video game. Yeah, I mean, voice acting can be challenging if you've never done it, I'm sure. It's not the same method as a regular actor. I think we're getting to the point, though, where there's a good steady cast or a steady stable of character actors that, like, can do good game voices. Like, Ron Perlman does a lot of stuff. Lance Henriksen does a lot of stuff. Ron Perlman's one of those guys that just does, like, everything. Ron Perlman. I'm pretty sure you pay Ron Perlman, like, $10 and a cheeseburger, and he's, like, ready to voice record on your game. And then he'll go make it on and get, like, $3 million. (laughs) Yeah. You can get him a cheeseburger. Yeah, I mean, on the show. So. I mean, well, he's totally willing to do not so great movies. So that's what I'm saying. Ron Perlman's everywhere. That man yeah. is everywhere. He was uh, the beast. Easy Max says so, shrinking budgets and industry cutbacks will eventually result in a smaller selection for consumers, but it will take a while for this to trickle down to gamers as a whole. See, it's only been about six months since the world realized that the economic shit had hit the fan. Not enough time has passed for the inevitable title delays and cancellations to really affect our choice at the retail counter. This is something I've been worrying about, and I'm wondering if. If and when we're going to see this, because I do, it does feel like a lot of studios are closing, a lot of stuff's getting canceled. It, at, at what point is this going to start showing in retail? In that, like, there's just a lot, a lot less games. I think uh, you, you can say it'll show in retail as far as like a store like GameStop's concerned. But I still think that there's going to be a lot of choice out there for gamers. They're just it's not going to be the same type of choices like studios like Spider Monk, the ones that make that uh, that Rugu game that I really liked. Yeah, you know, like. They're a one tiny studio game, 10 people, but they can make something that's really unique and cool, and they'll do it as like a downloadable PC game. Like, I still think that we'll see like a lot and more actually, of actually development Easy- teams like forming yeah. small 10 man things and making like Steam mm-hmm. games or private internet yeah. releases. Easy like, Mac did say, I'm hopeful that budget restrictions will lead to 360 and PS3 seeing more experimentation and download only. Exactly. So. I think download only and a lot of online PC games, like things like World of Goo, I think we'll see some of these teams that are being laid off going and forming like five or 10 man things, realizing that. These big studios that soak up millions of dollars making a AAA title, it's just its just not viable right now. Yeah. I mean, if you factor in iPhone games, there have already been more games published this year than possibly exactly, last yeah. year. I just, I just think that, like, a, you're right, a retail presence, it is going to change. It's going to be a lot different for what you're going to go out and buy for a 360 or PS3, but... I still think that if you're if you're in the know, the choice of games out there is going to be mm-hmm. pretty I, substantial. I do think that there are going to be some some cancellations where people are sort of taken aback and are surprised by them. Yeah, I mean that won't surprise me. I mean, it's just the money's not there. Uh, Call Me Sarge says his biggest fear is lack of patch support, especially now the PS3 and Xbox 360 require patches almost as much as the PC. Patches are in the column of does not make money on the finance guy's spreadsheet. If Relic's Company of Heroes Tales of Valor, Valor comes out with broken multiplayer balance and we have to wait months and months for a patch, that is going to be a real kick in the nuts. Yeah, see, but uh, Relic's actually one of the companies I think that's good about constantly working on patches. Like, they have teams that are constantly... Relic's a bad example, as far as that goes, because they really do pump out patches, like, all the time. And, and they're smart. I mean, yeah, but I Relic mean, has so few games that they know that their lifeline res- yeah, like, I, relies I think, on continued sales. Although I think that was is, just an example for him. Like, but in general, do you, like is that something? I mean, I think he brings up an interesting point. That is something we could see getting affected. It, is, I guess it depends if how much they're going to support that game with patches slash downloadable content. I don't, I don't think the game viable. I don't think Relic is a bad example simply because they're tied by a rope to THQ, and there's a lot of worries that THQ. Could could go out of business this yeah, year. Yeah, but if THQ goes out of business, Relic's like one of the few studios I think that THQ has that wouldn't have to worry too much. I would I would hope not. I hope. Um, but yeah, it, and and then there's also like free DLC. I think we'll be seeing a lot less of. Oh, and uh, for sure. 
I mean, I, possibly DLC in general. Hopefully, although, uh, we won't see anything like the Tomb Raider model, though, where they're like. Yeah. Crystal Dynamics, we're making little money. Let's release half of our game as DLC later on. Something I'd like to see is people experimenting with price point on retail games. I think that they've been putting it off and putting yeah. it off. And Wasn't putting there it something off, recently but... written like about how someone was saying that the $60 price point like is kind of ridiculous and th- that there that there was actually a couple of big names that were saying that like dropping it down to forty or fifty wouldn't actually be yeah no I mean or that'd even, be great or even down it's to just... forty or fifty just for certain games like uh, they were actually on, on Listen Up they had a discussion about this last week I think. And they they said how something like Fifty Cent, for example, the new Fifty Cent game, the new Fifty Cent game is a lot of fun, but it's not a, it's not a game that most of us are going to spend sixty. Every bucks podcast, on. but if that were forty dollars, I'd maybe pick it up. Every podcast I've listened to where they've talked about Blood on the Sand, I said I really enjoyed this game. It shouldn't be sixty dollars. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I play games like that all the time. I mean, gamers in the UK should be prepared to pay more for games this year because as of now, Nintendo because of the I think the weakness of the pound are charging more per Wii to retailers than they were. Great. So the question is whether or not retailers are going to eat that or if they're going to raise the prices on on Wii hardware. <laughs> so the Wii doesn't get a price drop this year in the UK. It gets a price drop. I raise. mean, that, that's the whole thing. <laughs> is, yeah, the Wii doesn't need wow. a price drop as long as people are fucking buying them. But you know, like going back to what you guys were talking about with like the patch and everything, I think um, a lot of games suffer, especially from budget, with unnecessary multiplayer um, I, I, I would like to see more games in the future not have multiplayer. I mean, uh, Darkness. Yeah, I, I um, definitely agree with darkness, that. Darkness, I mean, even games like Prey, even yeah. though it was an id game, I Don't mean, the need multiplayer it. just wasn't very good. At some point, there just needs to be someone that comes in and says, your multiplayer sucks, out the window. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean Kane I, Lynch is another and, example. And yeah. again, that might be a case where they say, like, okay, we're going we're gonna to cut multiplayer out of this completely, but then we're going to charge $10 less game. for the game. Exactly. And that's, I'd be okay with that. that would be awesome. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine with games just being single player and then them charging a little bit less. And, I mean, you might we might start seeing more multiplayer-only games, too, because the single-player experience can cost a lot more money to craft I mean, than a multiplayer I'd be okay experience. with paying $40 for a multiplayer-only experience. Or what if I even... I would, I would even be curious to experiment with the idea of paying $40 for a single player retail experience and then if they had a $20 multiplayer add-on like later on way down the line I think we're actually going to see that sooner than you think I would be like okay I might give it a shot today the story broke that Resident Evil 5 trophies have revealed a multiplayer mode that isn't in the game yet that is sort of like a left for dead add-on to to Resident Evil people do patch in things like I know that uh, I think Total War is a game that came out recently and it doesn't have multiplayer right now they're going to patch it in like it's like it is something that people are going to do. All right. I guess that means we're moving on to the next question because you all looked at me. Is that so? We're that was cutbacks, so and now we're talking about used yeah. Games? Uh, Twitter user Dave Dre says, "What are your thoughts on used games? How do you feel about GameStop, Amazon, and Toys R Us and their respective used game strategies?" And of course, with the economic situation that we just talked about and that we're always talking about. Um, obviously, a lot more people, I think, are going to be looking at buying used games. I'm going to try the Amazon service. I shop on Amazon a lot, but in general, like, even Amazon, I've started to feel guilty about. In a lot of ways, I feel like Amazon is the Internet's Walmart. Like, they may not treat their people badly, but Amazon's putting a lot of people out of business, I bet. You know, just because they are so convenient for a lot of things, which isn't necessarily to knock Amazon. It's not their fault they've came up with a great fucking idea. But it's just like sometimes I kind of feel bad. But they're also broadening the audience for product that might not have been there before. I, again, so. I, I obviously use Amazon on a regular basis. Just sometimes I kind of feel like, you know. But but as far as used products go, 
I will buy them if it's like the only one they have. Because for certain things, like man, Tetris DS, that's the only way to get it. But like even the other day when I went to go buy Civilization, I didn't want to buy a used one, but they didn't have a new one. Like yeah. so, it's like you know, yeah. I, I will do. It, but in general, having met the people that make these games, sometimes I feel like I want to support them with this. Yeah, I, and I was talking about Arthur with this a little, and like I, for me, it's I've never really bought used games. I mean, I do every once in a while, like you say, but. In general, I try to avoid buying used games, especially in situations where it's like I bring a new game to the counter of, at, at GameStop and they say, you know, you can get the used one for $5 less. And I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to save $5 and then not support the people who made the game. Yeah, and sometimes I guess it's dependent on the game, too. Like if it was a Guitar Hero or something, sometimes I might do it fine. $5, fuck, I don't care about supporting Guitar Hero. There's enough of it. But when it does come to something like Arthur and I did specifically go out, like I specifically ignored getting certain games in the game giveaway so that I could go support the game. Like Little Big Planet, I went out and bought, even though I didn't want to because Nick told me like I should support and I was like, you're right. Like, you know, there there are times that I will do that. Like, avoid getting a game for free and stuff if it's something that I think is worthy of my support. Whereas for me, uh, trading a game in used is almost like my show of, of disdain. Yeah, that's another thing. I hard, <laughs> I also am kind of like, I don't trade in games. Yeah, I, I don't either. And actually, I do agree with Arthur, though. Like, if I have a game that, for whatever reason, I just was really, really displeased with, then maybe I will. I just—it's a weird moral code. Like, for example, if you're going to revolving door sequel me, then I'm going to trade in the the first one and get some credit. In yeah, I mean, like Rainbow Six one. or something like that, where it's yeah. like the first one's kind of made obsolete. Or like, I think the last game that I traded in mostly new was Call of Duty Three because yeah, like I was so incredibly disappointed in it. So. Um, yeah, I traded in Call of Duty Three for Rainbow Six Vegas. Um, I, I should also say, like, I think for the people who do like used games, and I mean, obviously, we don't do a ton of used games around here, but, you know, there are a lot of listeners, I'm sure, who do, and, and you know, that's understandable. I think that the fact that, you know, we have so many different places doing it now, that we have Toys R Us doing it, and Amazon, and Best Buy, and Gamefly just started Game crazy, doing Blockbuster. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's a really good thing. That's going to create a lot more competition in the used game space, which is going to be good. Yeah, I mean, for... maybe you'll at least get more fucking trade in exactly. your game. Yeah, my, my issue with GameStop isn't the fact that they sell used product. It's the way that they make used product the primary driver of their business model. I mean, they evaluate employee performance yeah. and stuff based on The thing on is, I don't, I don't blame GameStop for that. It, it, it sucks, but I don't blame them just because I know from working on the retail side with video games before that... It's very difficult to make money off of just selling new games. Yeah. Because they're buying it for practically the amount they're selling it for. Yeah, they make like what, like ten dollars probably on a game? Well it depends. I know that once the sixty dollar price point came up, I know in our retail system it was like a forty five dollar wholesale cost for a game with a fifty dollar price sixty dollar price tag. But um we're having mic difficulties. Oh, that's uh, nice. I, I, I don't know if people understand like the how how a lot of game retail employees are held hostage to, to selling like I think, used copies I think at of games. A, I think that's gotten really bad at GameStop especially. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I'm gonna try the Amazon thing because if nothing else, the Amazon thing is at least more value because you get a gift card for Amazon. I mean as far as uh, game trading things go, the best system I've ever heard about is that website GooseX. It's like not spelled like a goose, it's spelled like G-O-O-Z-E-X or something yeah. like that, where you join and become a member and then you put up your games that you're willing to trade and that accrues you X amount of points and then you spend those points on other games and the point system's actually a lot more fair than a dollar value. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's just on this committed like eBay contract to basically send the games to each other and stuff. Apparently users, I always hear about it, I see them on Cheap Ass Gamer and stuff, they're always 
super popular. I mean, if you're gonna enjoy if, that. if you're gonna buy used games, if you could find if I think the problem with this is that people equate this similarly to music and movies or music specifically. Um, at least with music, there's a way to support artists that isn't necessarily tied directly to the retail sales of yeah, their product. Shirts and so, I mean, if you're going to buy used, if there's some other way that you can support a public or a developer that you really like, then by all means, like it's like a what's his face said, right? Yeah, uh, uh, Tim Schafer. Tim Schafer, go to Double Fine and buy. It's Double Fine, right? Yeah. Sorry, Double Fine and buy shirts. It's it's a two-headed flipper baby is their mascot. Download it and buy some shirts. Pirate it if you want, but buy some shirts. Yeah. All right, uh, so let me let me get into some comments here. Chris C says, "I wonder if any game retailers have ever considered the following strategy: approach a major game publisher, retailer offers some percentage of used game profits of said publisher's games to said publisher, say ten percent. In exchange, the retailer secures exclusive game promotions with said publisher, uh, exclusive additional content, or exclusive one day early release, something like that, and repeat with any other major game publishers." I just don't. Think I, I don't that think that would been... make the retailer that much more money. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't think that the retailers ever felt the need. Yeah, to there's that. no retailers aren't feeling heat right like, now. Like people don't understand like the position of power that GameStop and Walmart are in. I mean, those are the two retailers for yeah, games. Yeah, like I remember Sam. Sam actually wrote that blog about why Sony isn't talking about the PSP two yet, and he actually made a good point, which was that Sam was talking about how if it really is getting rid of the UMD format and going to download only, Sony doesn't want to talk about it right now because yeah. they're in no position to threaten retailers. Which is, yeah, exactly. It's funny to me that Sony is pushing the downloadable retail space the hardest because they are the ones that are in the weakest position to leverage retailers. I mean, retailers are not happy with Sony. Just If for no, no other reason than the constant price fluctuations on PS3s have caused them to lose a fuck ton of money. So, yeah, I mean... uh I forgot what the original question was. Used games. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm just saying, yeah, the, uh, as far as what that guy said, I, I just don't yeah, think that Jeff, there's... Jeff L. also wondered why why retailers don't work with publishers. Yeah, it's just retailers don't need to work yeah. with the publishers. It's the publishers that are desperate to work with the retailers. I mean, if anything, like that that might be a strategy that a new game game retailer would take. Like, it might be something like the, for the some... Rebel FM store. I mean, yeah, exactly. The, the, the game, game store we're opening. The game publishers do work with retailers so to Arthur a certain extent. Like, there's definitely been times, like, when The Darkness came out that 2K worked, like, a special uniform for a guy that was a GameStop well, exclusive if you pre-ordered or something. And GameStop is, is pulling... I mean, most exclusive stuff you find is GameStop only. But, I mean, GameStop has the ability to fuck you. Um, GameStop was extremely dis- unhappy with the fact that Dawn of War 2 requires a steam installation and a steam validation of your key and so they pulled it yeah um Asira strike says i think they're i think publishers are more afraid of the idea than the actual reality of used games the number one used game you'll see at gamestop is grand theft auto 4 my local gamestop has like 30 used copies is anyone going to argue that the used game sales hurt gta 4 they just announced that it sold 13 million copies. It's probably not. Uh, Take two lost fifty million dollars this quarter. The more popular and better selling a game is, the more used copies of it you will see, just like movies and books. But I mean, that doesn't really stop the fact that you know the the publishers aren't getting anything for that used copy. They still might be getting more, even if they just were selling cheaper copies of the game after it had been out for a I while. I mean, maybe if if companies were were willing to be more flexible about their retail pricing, new, then it wouldn't be as much of an issue. But it's yeah. still it's going back to that. That would be an issue of demand. Whereas, I mean, it's it's hard for retailers to be flexible on that. So, uh, and that comes in. Greg says, 
I'm for used games. As consumers, there's nothing wrong with being solely interested in getting the best deal. Publishers need to, A, lower the price of new games to the point where used copies aren't as enticing. Um, he said, he mentioned Steam's amazing weekend sales come to mind. True. And those are fantastic uh, and don't even have resale value. Or B, keep coming up with irresistible pre-order bonuses and unique unlock codes for DLC that only come with new purchases. Which yeah. is my less preferred means mm-hmm. because something always goes wrong with that shit. And there was that idea that, uh, who, who was that? Uh, was it Epic that brought that up? Was it Mark Rain or whatever? Uh, n- no, it was, fuck, was it their like, liaison for Microsoft or something with Epic Games or something? But he was talking about the idea of selling... Selling like the ending of Gears of War 2 only only comes in... In new come, copies. It comes as a DLC in a new copy, and if you didn't get a new copy, then you have to buy it off of Xbox Live. Which he wasn't proposing. Now. He was saying that yeah. there are developers that are tossing ideas yes, similar to right. that around in theory. Which is still... I think everybody recoiled at that, so maybe there will be some pulling back from those Yeah, I mean, those uh, of, of course they recoil from it, because in some ways it feels like you're robbing consumers of their ability to even have the choice of used, I don't know. Uh, Socrates says, buying a used video game is just as damaging to the industry as illegally downloading a video game. That's not true. That's but, not true. I mean, because, you know, if... if, if uh, I think there was, like, a GameStop representative, like the CEO talked about, he was defending used game sales, and he does have a slight point, even if it's not 100% true, that, I mean, a lot of used game trade-ins do go towards... Like buying a new, a new game, mm-hmm. like so that does help with the sale of a new game sometimes. So it's definitely you know pirating doesn't ever help. And I mean towards the, and also towards I mean and also game. I mean just from a a, stand, a creative standpoint, whether or not used game sales are making you money, at least it's more people playing your game. So that's something good for the developers. And pirating causes so many other issues that aren't just directly related to sales. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, like that's, that's because that's I use games, I'm not, I've, I've never had to fucking deal with spyware on my computer. Or something like that, you know, some fucking malicious software that's yeah. checking my bullshit for confirmation. So that guy's that guy's one hundred percent wrong. Uh, Shums also says trade in value just isn't high enough, nor is the discount on used games large enough for me to consider the whole GameStop proposition. It's worth more to me to have a collection of games and to know I'm supporting publishers and developers. I doubt Amazon's system will change my mind. You are in the minority, unfortunately. That's I, I don't think most people feel that way. Most people don't care about a wall hoard. I mean, you're, yeah, this is, like, also, we're, we're I, the wrong people to talk to. Like, I have, yeah. like, 40 Xbox 360 games, and almost all of them were bought new. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, that's something that keeps coming up is supporting publishers and developers, but I, I think that is something where the average consumer just doesn't really care that much no, about. No, I mean, most people don't feel any tie to a publisher or something like and that. It's, I mean, like, it's, not, it's not just with video games. That's the same with music and and movies as well, you, like well and, and even speaking supporting. as a consumer with movies i'm a lot less prone to be like fuck i don't care about supporting this movie studio like you know and they probably think the same thing you're an asshole they probably think the same thing <laughs> well again i mean these gaming studios are just like mega giants that can't be touched you know like the the nature of a game as a retail product is different than music i mean music there's i i do think that there's promotional value in distributing your content in a a digital form that's lower fidelity but easier to access. I mean, it adds value to what you're presenting as an artist, where, I mean, the only thing a game studio is selling is that game, for the most part. I mean, Tim Schafer has t-shirts, but, I mean, fuck, EA isn't going to open up a merch booth. Yeah, with the exception of a few games like Halo and stuff that managed to make it in stores with yeah. bags and everything like that. Well, yeah. Most games don't have the marketing behind it like that that you can ever support it in any I mean, way. Halo is a, is a franchise, like, is an entertainment franchise Yes, now. it's very much different than... 
Like dead, the, there's no there's no merch movement behind Dead Space. Yeah. All right, I want to move into our final question. Oh God. Um, I don't have. All right, let's do it. I don't have written down who asked this though. No, it's in there though. I I noted the guy who uh, suggested is this, it. Is this the, the so names? this guy on Twitter and we'll find his name eventually. He wanted to, he wanted us to describe our sex lives in three moves from Pokemon. Um, when I wrote that post, I mostly just want to read some of these from other people because they're a funny, funny user. When I when I wrote that post, I thought it would just be us talking about it, but man, people really yeah they connected with that question. I'm going to start off with this one from Ames. He says, one girl uses serial monogamy. Then three years later, two the effect wore off. Ames is no longer confused. Three girl commences fornication of nearest friend of Ames. Ames fainted. Is Ames a Pokemon? No, Ames is the the user. So wait, I don't don't understand how that's related to the question of Pokemon. Those are Pokemon moves. It's way to kill the segment, Anthony. Oh, I thought I thought the Pokemon moves we were talking about was like which three Pokemon we summoned that would would. It was a very loose question, and people. So if I was going to say that, it'd be like, it'd be like a Jigglypuff, because she just goes to sleep. (laughs) Uh, What's that Pokemon? That's a hand. And then uh, (laughs) and then Snorlax. Because again, it's just like lazy and nothing's happening, and then, uh, and then I don't know. Like, Ephemeral Fantasia. Is there like one Pokemon that abuses himself like really badly? There's one that's a there's one that's a giant hand. Yeah, there's one that's sure. a giant hand. Yeah, see, but it, that would yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was me and Arthur both staring at Anthony and tried to talk his way out of that one, and then he just gave up. Or is there like one Pokemon that's like really depressed and just wants to give up the fight all the time? Like you never summon him. That would be my sex life. <laughs> so sad. Or I would like. All right, Rebel Marks, Rebel FM donation money or, is now being contributed to buy Anthony a, a wife. Or I would like Russia. throw my Pokeball, and it would have been so long since it was used, it would open up, and it would just be, <laughs> no, no, and a little Pokemon skeleton would fall out. Oh, dust, <laughs> dust clouds would be your attack. I'd try and summon my Pinachu and nothing would happen. <laughs> you couldn't find oh, your Pinachu. Man. Either that or he just throws it way too early in the battle. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would happen. Is there a Pokemon with an invisibility power? I summon a Feral Fante. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Chase, Chase K says, one, focus energy. Two, flail. Three, frustration. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Tyler says one flash, two glare, three double slap. <laughs> Whoa! I want to be part of that Pokemon universe. <laughs> number number one says quick attack, discharge, and frustration. Man, a lot of there's a lot of frustration in the comments. Uh, uh, let's quick see. attack. <laughs> it's not like I'm just waiting for the person that's like Rufy attack. Jake Jake says harden hyper beam flee (laughs) Uh, hold on man there are a lot more in the comments Uh, big red Jake says lock on payday milk drink oh dang (laughs) is milk drink really a Pokemon move I don't know I think it is it's like maybe something you can give for health or something. Like We're that. like the worst people to ask about this because I don't think any of us gives a shit about Pokemon. Well, to be fair, I, I watched, no, I watched uh, the second Pokemon movie the day it came out in the movie theater with my friend Ian. And for some reason we went and no, we don't smoke pot or anything like that. So there was no good reason for it. And I remember we got, we got um, a Mewtwo card for showing up theater day one. 
people pulled their children close to them when two grown men walked in. <laughs> that is excellent. Uh, so yeah, that was just our wacky. Are there any? There are more. There, keep reading. There's some more, but we should we should move on. That, those we I read the best ones, and uh, <laughs> and we all know how Anthony's would be, I guess now. But I haven't done enough research. Yeah, I think Iron that. Grip, Iron Grip, Iron Grip. I am doing a. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I may or may not be doing an interview with somebody who, who makes Pokemon games next week, and I may or may not have to bring this question up. I like how you don't actually remember their name. <laughs> There's one of the Pokemon. It'd be like Iron Grip. Japanese name. Pokemon I like, know it. I, maybe mine should be revised to be like Iron Grip, Early Fire, Summon Tears. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're taking a break now. <laughs> letters you guys are ready for this arthur <sighs> okay all right I, I hope we got some good ones well wait is there hate mail this week no hate mail this oh, week. okay oh. mark j says i wanted to know if any of you get towards the end of any games perhaps only a level or two away and then quit playing i find myself occasionally doing it because i'll be sad that the story is over and the game had me captured granted this only applies to single player story modes if I'm lucky, I'll put it down for a week or two and then come back to finish it. Just wanted to know if it's just me or if other people do it. Sounds like the uh, story of everything I try and accomplish in my life. Oh, man. Wow. You're on full-on depressing mode. <laughs> right? Uh, I will say I have a lot of friends who, who got to the final area in Killzone 2 and then quit. And you forgot I to bring this up did. when you were talking about Killzone 2, but I wanted you to talk about the final area a little, so maybe this is a good yeah, opportunity. Yeah, I mean, uh, that is a game where I, I, mean, I didn't look at an FAQ or anything, but I looked at an FAQ... Out of desperation, Phil's FAQ actually. That's not an FAQ. Uh, my cheat super a, guide. My cheat super guide. Because Thank I you. was so desperate to like find out if I was just doing something wrong because it felt so broken. Like that was one that if it hadn't been for the fact that I really, really, really had no life because I'm not working, and I don't mean that to sound depressing. I just don't. I just uh, you know I have nothing to do. You don't so. have anything going on. So it's yeah, I just didn't have anything going on. So I was like, but if I if I had like only a little bit of time to play video games, fuck that, I would have given up on that in a heartbeat. I was just dumb. And uh, speaking from experience, me and Arthur gave up on Army of Two yep. right at the end. I gave up on uh, on Grand Theft Auto Four right at the end. I'm on I'm on the final mission. I'm saved on the final. I'm like mission halfway of Grand through Theft and I gave 4. up on it. And I just like I couldn't beat the final mission and tried so many times and then was just like I don't really care anymore. I don't care enough to keep trying. Um, the new Tomb Raider. I'm pretty oh. close to the end and just stopped. Yeah, I mean that happens to me generally if I'm playing a game and then something comes out that I really really wanted to play. I'll abandon it and then forget about that. I'm actually system. worse this gen with starting something like for like an hour and then not going back to it. Like I do that as well. Like Fable Two is sitting on my shelf, barely yeah. touched. Fable as well. Same here. Yeah. I gave up on Twilight Princess during the last boss oh, battle. Man. I was just like, uh, I, I got to the last like dungeon of Twilight Princess, and I really want to finish it because I loved that game, but I just got distracted by other stuff. I did that in Ocarina of Time. Like I stopped about. Like an hour and a half away from the end. 
So the answer is question, yes, it happens yes, to us. Yes, this happens to us apparently Especially a lot. when we used to be able to buy a lot of games. I mean, well, and it's now, just easy to get distracted. Now I feel like I should be playing stuff that we can talk about. So mm-hmm. I feel like if I don't finish something within a week, then then I have to move on to something else. You should just play what you love. People want to hear us talk about it. Well, I don't play stuff that I'm, I'm going to hate, like. but I, I try not to dwell on anything. Like, I gave up the channel. And I also, like, didn't play Halo Wars until I knew I could talk about it. That's all right. Uh, Bill K wants to know which Ninja Turtle did each of you identify with most as a kid? I don't know, Anthony. I mean, you wanted me to ask this question. Uh, yeah, yeah, and now yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. totally. Well, because I, I wanted to bring up the fact that I had two turtles growing up. One that was named Donatello and was a girl, and then Whoa. and then I had Michelangelo. So I mean, the turtles you can't tell what sex they are just by looking at them. Like I had to find out from the vet. So you know, and uh, when the turtles started fighting each other, and I had to ask my parents why they were fighting. <laughs> Why are the turtles wrestling? Why is Michelangelo hurting Donatello? <laughs> They're sparring. Yeah. They're sparring. <laughs> sparring with penis. Um, but, uh... Sounds like my gym class. Uh, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Come on, I just wanted to make everyone awkward and uncomfortable. Mission accomplished. You're sitting there. That's enough. Um, no, nah, but, yeah, well, you know... Pants. I guess if I had to Oh, yeah, that, pants would help. I would say, uh... Raphael, maybe? You know, he was a conflicted young turtle. I felt conflicted as a young turtle myself. So, you guys don't actually have to I mean, answer for this me, question. It's, uh, it's definitely Splinter for me. I mean, I'm, He's not a ninja turtle, you fuck. son of a bitch. Fuck. I'm sorry. He was just the one I identified with the most. Fleas? Yes. Okay. Uh, Donatello, actually. That's because I was very smart, just like Donatello, and I always wanted to invent things and fight with a bow. <laughs> you didn't know I could throw my voice. <laughs> I'm a talented young man. Although I always wondered why why he was named Donatello and not Leonardo. Because Leonardo, out of all those artists, was the one that like created shit like a helicopter. Yeah, but he was also like a I don't know Donatello. Well, no, that's no. true. No. Let's say you are not getting in a Renaissance artist. No, no, discussion I'm just saying. I was thinking to myself like, which one? Which one of the Ninja Turtles was like closer to being like way gay? Because Leonardo da Vinci was gay, and I was thinking, you know, Donatello was pretty. Was, was out of all the turtles. Possibly. You were going to say Leonardo was the gay turtle. He was probably gay. I think Raphael would. Raphael be the gayest slightly turtle. with the like uh, with his like. He's always so angry. Thing. He's just mad about. He it. He just needed to accept himself. Yeah, that's true. Hey, everyone else, the... everyone else, when the turtles got alone, was like, "Man, that April dude, I would fucking bend her over." And he was like, <laughs> and he'd always be like, "Yeah, I would touch her boobs." <laughs> <laughs> no. But then, really, he was just staring at Casey Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael, I'm really not comfortable with the way you're touching my tail. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Uh, we gotta split up and go this way. Don't worry, I'm with Casey. Right, Casey? Slaps him on the ass. <laughs> Big old turtle palms. I feel like I feel like we need to have some Ninja Turtle watching parties. Now. Mm-hmm. Do some commentary. I'm telling you, we could just watch for sexual overtones like from <laughs> Raphael all the time. This frustration. Anyways. Tyler, do you have a an answer you wanted to give, or can we... Yeah, definitely. I always... Uh, Michelangelo was always the one I identified Man. with the most, because he was just kind of like the happy-go-lucky guy. That is super you know? convenient. No one picked the same turtle. <laughs> I didn't even pick a turtle, I guess. Well, you got Leonardo. Leonardo. You're Leonardo. You're the you're kind of the asshole that no one likes. <laughs> it's not really turtles. <laughs> but a born leader. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go home and cry. I mean, if we were doing it by that, I'd probably be Leonardo. 
there's this great video on on YouTube that's uh it's like the Watchmen Saturday morning cartoon I version. I saw that. But it's uh it, it's just acting as if there was an intro to a Saturday morning Watchmen cartoon. It's almost like scene for scene the Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. intro, but it's awesome. replaced with like watch Watchmen characters. Uh, it's Nick, really good. <laughs> Nick L says I was hoping Phil and Anthony and anyone else who writes guides could talk a little bit more about that process. I'm always curious how people are able to dissect games and write write guides. Writing a guide can be a lot more than just a step-by-step walkthrough, so I'm curious, what's your process? How do you begin? And finally, how do you manage to identify all of the intricate ins and outs, secrets, etc.? I can Uh, give you the first part of Anthony's process. I start playing. Whoa. No, the first part of your process is put game on four, look at for seven hours while on aim. Yeah. So I like uh, I start playing and then basically I just write the way I did it. I don't even necessarily consider like what would be the best way. I just assume the way I did it is the way you should do it. See, it's so. it's really interesting. Uh, Killzone was the first guide that I wrote, and uh, I actually had a very different way, which was, I mean, I, I played the game how I would normally play it, but then I like sort of carefully looked through all the environments and figured out what would be the best way to tackle it because I don't. I just assume that I'm I'm playing like and it's the diff- shitty way. It's different too because <laughs> when you're writing like an online guide like we did, especially where they're edited by users, we didn't have to find every secret along the way because it's assumed that those get added by users, which they often do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if we were working on a Prima guide and stuff like that, it'd be a lot different because we'd also have developer support and we wouldn't actually have to go and find all the Intel items and shit like that because they kind of hook you up with the locations. Yeah. So it just depends on the type of guide you're writing. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I definitely, like, I mean, I played through twice, and the first time I played through on easy so that I could look for, like, carefully look through the environments and figure out the best way to do stuff and find all of the secrets and everything. And then the second time I played through, I kind of was able to look at my notes try some of the strategies that I had come up with that seemed like the best strategies, and then tweak them before I actually put up the guide. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I wouldn't recommend you do it unless you're getting paid a lot of money. Um, can I... So, can you talk about the screenshot process, or is that sort I don't of... Know. Uh, it just depends. If you're using capture software like Phil was, it's just that you play and the console's hooked up through a machine that goes through the computer, yeah. and then you can take screens and video. Basically, the second time I played through it... Um, it just took video of the whole playthrough, and we—I mean—we split it up and took videos of the whole playthrough, and then I went through and found screenshots. It was actually really difficult with Killzone because that game has a lot of motion blurring, and obviously, in a screenshot, you want it to look as nice as possible. You don't want it to be motion blurred at any point. So there were a lot of times where I had trouble finding a screen that worked. Whereas on, mean, the, on the 360, it's well, a little it's different. Not, it's not really that interesting to tell you the honest, and no one's going to really care. I mean, it's just that you take screenshots through proprietary Microsoft software that makes it really easy. Just through an instant link over an Ethernet cable, so. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. That's that's sort of our process, I guess. Like I said, this is the first guide I ever wrote. I don't know if I did any good. Although, someone on Twitter, some very nice person who had originally written to me and said, "Hey, I saw that you did the Killzone Two guide. I only played five minutes of that game and hated it." And then, like a week later, they wrote, they responded to me on Twitter and said, "Actually, I read through your guide, and then I went back and tried Killzone again, and now I really like it." So that was that was cool, at least. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, those guides look a lot better, and, like, we only deserve half the credit because we take all the screens and stuff, but then, like, the layouts and everything get done really nice by the guys that actually post it. Yeah, so. All right, Art S., this is the guy who asked us last week about being a freelancer, and we gave him, freelance writer, and we gave him lots of depressing news. Uh, He says, following the email from last week, how do you all decide what to write about? I really love discussing video games with friends and really like to respond, in my mind, written on a forum post or talking to a friend about it, to many criticisms and ideas... But when I try and write on my blog at Cheap Cheap Ass Gamer, I usually write great first paragraph, but then totally get totally stuck. 
This always happens to me and 75% of the time I never get to finish my article as I lose interest and have other things to do, such as schoolwork. I wouldn't call myself an amazing writer, but I can churn out something decent once in a while. How's your writing process and how long does it take you for you to write an article, etc.? Nowadays, uh, what determines what I write is uh, dollar signs next to uh, a number. So uh, that's, to be honest, I mean, a lot of the writing I do these days as far as video games is freelance stuff. Yeah, but so I mean, he's talking, I think he's going off but when of it's like, like... When I used to do my blog and stuff, yeah. it was like I would find uh, a news topic that was particularly interesting to me and that I felt I could, you know, talk about for a while yeah. with a, an opinion that was actually unique. And that's the main thing. It's that, or like play through a game and write a mock review if it actually mm-hmm. interests you to write a mock review. And something that I, I think every writer has to deal with the fact that there is uh, there are a million distractions and it's really easy to not write. It's writing really, is work. Exactly. It's really easy to sit down in front of a blank word pad and then be like, I'm just going to check my email again quick before I write. Or I'm going to turn on AIM. If you really want to write, yeah, you should be off AIM. You should not be on email. Mm-hmm. You should basically try and disconnect yourself from everything. What I, what I would suggest and what, what's always helped me is like, Set aside a time for yourself, like, once a week, like, sometime on the weekends when you don't have to worry about schoolwork, and you can just disconnect yourself from the internet besides whatever you need for research, and just sit there and, like, bang out an article, and it's not, it might not be the best article every single week, but then, like, you can edit it before you post it, you can hold on to it for a while, you know, whatever you need to do to feel comfortable with it, and and just make sure you're you're continuing to write stuff about whatever topic interests you, like Anthony said, just... And I can speak from a first, like, f- for both me and Phil, I've seen it where writing something can take, like, as easy as, like, an hour if you really are, like, on a flow, and then it can take days if you just can't I mean, get I focused. Will, like, I will, my Killzone 2 multiplayer review, I sat down to write that for the first time on Monday night after we finished playing, and it was really late, so I was pretty tired, so I was only able to get, like, a paragraph done, and then I sat down again on Tuesday, and I finished up a bunch I finished most of it but I still had a couple of paragraphs left to write and then I finally actually just finished the review today right so I mean like when you're distracted and when and you were on aim all the time as well which yeah is like all these things are like so easy to get yeah so, so when you're distracted and when you're or, or when for whatever reason you can't focus on what you're doing yeah it can take a long long time there's a reason why when you're at a normal job they don't want that shit on your fucking computer because all of that is distracting and keeping you from getting work done and I mean you can love writing or love like doing anything, but if you're not, it, it's work. Yeah. Like you have to work at it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Cole R. This is our last letter this week. He says, I'm a college student in Cincinnati, Ohio, getting ready to attend my first game industry event, GDC in San Francisco. I'll be there on the student day looking for an internship. Since this is my first conference. God, he, I wonder, did he pay for it himself? It's like $2,000 or mm-hmm. something. I hope not. Man. And he's coming from Ohio. Since this is my first conference, I'd like to know if you have any etiquette tips. I'm by no means a slavering fanboy, and I fully intend to dress nicely and behave properly. This apparently is not the norm if the horror stories about old E3 are to be believed. What tips do you have someone looking to stick out from the herd? GDC is totally different. Like, uh, And the thing that if he's going there to look for an industry job, it's going to be very different. Like, The thing you have to understand is that... Uh, You'll, there's a there's like a, the normal show floor where they're showing games and showing a bunch of technology, and then they keep like the upper floor the upper floor of the Moscone Center is just for people looking for jobs. Like it's a bunch of booths, but it's it's recruiting booths. It's not set up so you can go sit there and go gush over a game. It's like they have posters like Activision is hiring, this studio is hiring, and they have people that are genuinely there interested to talk to you, especially if you're coming from a college where you have, like, credentials. They are looking and scouting for talent. It's as much of a job fair as a trade show. Exactly. So, I mean, honestly, going there looking professional, having, like, a nice business card made up, like, if he goes there looking nice, 
and has a great resume with them and a business card, that's what you need. Just go yeah. there and, and, you, and sell yourself. If you work in art tools or you want to do like writing or anything like that, you, sh- you definitely need a portfolio and try to make sure that it looks professional. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, it, you think that it'll just be a bunch of nerds and stuff like that, which to some extent, I mean, all these game developers are nerds. But I mean, professionalism is still like something that should not be overshadowed. Yeah, whatsoever. especially at GDC. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, E3 is one thing, but GDC is just so. GDC is tons of yeah. students from like the Cal Arts and whatever that tech, that actual game school is here in California. I can't think what they're called, Full Sail or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like and they, people the, all from those Art kids, Center. And... All those kids are there looking for jobs, and the jobs range from people that are just looking to get into QA, which there's a ton of that going on. But I mean, even Lucas Arts will do on-the-spot interviews for design positions and stuff like that at specific times. So, I mean, there are a ton of opportunities. So go in there as professional as you... More professional than you probably think you should. And let us know how it goes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll probably be doing something at GDC. We haven't decided exactly what yet, but hopefully we'll have some cool GDC stuff. And GDC well. is not going to be as nuts as the stories you've heard about E3. I mean... Yeah. Or, I mean... They they've definitely cracked down on non industry attendees. And the GDC same is as made everything for people else. who make games. It's really not yeah. as interesting as you think. They're not making crazy game announcements or anything. Yeah, like that. and even just like last year, um, actually, GDC was the first live event I've ever covered, and I did that last year. And it was a uh, a lot of the panels that I went to had really interesting like titles. They sounded like they would be fascinating, but it's so developer focused that. It's technology lot, and shit you don't even understand. Yeah, a lot of them were just, like, for me, just way over my head. Like, and, the Killzone 2 panel this year is about, like, their rendering pipeline and, and like, all that shit. And exactly. For me, that's interesting, but for most people, it doesn't mean shit. I to went you. to the Halo matchmaking one for Halo 3, and it was math. Literally, screens of math put on the stage, and people were taking math notes. So, I'm just saying it is... That shit is above and beyond what most of us care about. Yeah. All right, so I think um, we didn't give the letter of the week last week to Art, did we? The guy who asked about freelance writing? I don't think we did. I'm going to say no, so let's give it to him this week. And if we did, it was good for you. (laughs) Yes. Since we shit all over your dreams last week. (laughs) So now we're going to give you... We shit on your dreams. Here's Peggle. Uh, Also wanted to mention that uh, we are doing a giveaway contest for Xbox copies of Call of Cthulhu to go along with our Game Club. Uh, So if you haven't been following along and you didn't hear this on Monday's episode of Game Club... Maybe we should make them listen to it. That's the thing. uh, Oh, you don't think so? So we're just going to hook all these people up that don't even listen to Game Club? No, but I mean, I think that a lot of people might not listen because they're like, I don't have a copy. And maybe if they had a copy, they would. God damn you and your logic. You want a copy of Call of Cthulhu for the Xbox, uh, send in what you, we want you to send in your worst gaming-related nightmare. It's like a, night, a real nightmare you had while sleeping that was related to video games in some way. Send that to pcoler at eat-sleep-game.com. That's also where you can send letters that we will read next week. And uh, Sending it to <clears> me is an automatic, like... Failure. Disqualification. Yeah. I've um, gotten lots of nice <laughs> letters, but most of them aren't stuff to read on the air. So, so if we, I don't know what that means. I'll tell you afterwards. All right. There have been some saucy ones. I want to touch your balls. Like what is it? Like that's was instantly what I thought of. Like what you don't want to? Why? Why shouldn't you read that on the air? That's what I want to hear. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so you could ask what we those will, weird splotches were on my computer monitor. We will read those. We will read the top three entries next week during the show, <laughs> and uh, those people will get free copies of. Call of Cthulhu for the Xbox. I feel bad, like me and Arthur were just going back and forth trying to derail you with weird sex comments. No, it's all right. It made me want to like just say balls every time you tried to speak. You should. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of which, future. I had a funny little story yesterday when I went out to eat with Phil yesterday. Uh, I was walking through Borders, and this little kid all of a sudden oh, just looked up at me and went, Cock! And I was like, Whoa. what? Whoa. <laughs> that was my funny story of a child. So, and then you saw the child walking around? And then I saw him walking around, and, and you I tried to do the co- found you tried to do kissed the his call. mom with it. Little bastard. <laughs> you, you tried to do the call to him. Yeah, I did. I said, I said, Cock! Hoping he would respond back. Did he like point when he said it? Or, no, he just. I, or did he like great if he make like at me and say, <laughs> he made like the finger inch symbol or something? This podcast is it? over. All right, please check out eat sleep game dot com for all the latest episodes of Rebel FM and Arthur, your amazing new site design that's up now, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I have to show that I hate Sony somehow. So. It- <laughs> oh wait, that's right. It's fucking Killzone in the That's background, right. so you can Killzone shut the, the fuck up, people. Just to, just to be clear, too, that is not an ad. We, we were not no. paid to do that. No, the, I did it The idea is just that every every few weeks we will switch out the background with a game that we're interested in and playing. And but if, if you could click through all of our articles and say cha-ching to yourself every time, I would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we need ad impressions just like everyone. That's a... What? Um, no, that, but that is that is uh, the idea behind this. So yeah, there will it's be just new games, games that we like. Unless you want to advertise, in which case, fuck games we like. Please like. email us. Uh, also, uh, so yeah, that go check that out. Um, let's see where listeners can, can find I, us on can the internet. Can we do me first so I can pee afterwards? Yes. Okay. You can find me at uh, twitter.com slash chuffmoney. You can also find me at Eat Sleep Game. And uh, I guess I recently had a preview of... Uh, Battleforge go up on one up, so there's that, and then really that's about it right now. Um, oh, and I'm gonna appear on some more podcasts soon. I'm gonna be on the co-op show soon. Whatever, fuck. Hooray! I got pee. <laughs> and we should probably send out a big congrats to the co-op guys for their revision three's co-op. Their huge news that they are now on revision three, so which we've actually known for a while and I've been able to talk about, but we've been so excited for them yeah it is it's very exciting and I, I don't know if you watched the first episode the first edition 3 episode but it's excellent that it fucking is intro really is fantastic very very good uh, Tyler where can people find you on the internet they can find me on iTunes and CD Baby my band's new album is now available on iTunes we're called The Generic Tribe the new album is In Guns We Trust excellent Texas <laughs> uh, yeah and if you're just gonna go buy a few tracks I would suggest the title track In Guns We Trust In Town and Z Makes Z or Z Equals Z something a, Z something what Z. kind of music is it yeah what kind of like what kind of music or what bands would you can be compared <laughs> to well the thing about us is every song is basically kind of a it, it's a different genre okay. but what happens is we do have this overall unifying sound, but if you're into bands like Gorillas that do sort of a lot of different stuff, you might like us. And I'm not saying we sound like Gorillas, but you're better than them. Well, we're not cartoons. Yeah, so but we like, exist. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, some 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 of the songs might sound like Saturday morning cartoon songs, but but the lyrics and everything are very devious. You know, stuff you would listen to. Uh, in your getaway car after you got through robbing a convenience store or something. I'm excited. I'm definitely going to check it out. I've actually heard only... I can only think of one song where I thought about robbing a convenience store. What's your Twitter? Dirty T. So, twitter.com slash dirty T as in T the drink. Alright. Your turn, Arthur. Uh, eat-sleep-game.com twitter.com slash a-e-g-i-e-s Excellent. All right, that's all I've got. I'm the boring one.
I'll be at uh, twitter.com slash pcolar, and then I, as I mentioned earlier, my Killzone 2 multiplayer review on geek.com will be up tomorrow, On that is on Thursday, so if you're listening to this anytime after Thursday, go read that. You can subscribe to Rebel FM on iTunes and Zoom. If you use either of these services, please subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Bowls. Yeah, you've got problems.